What is up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of the uh, New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. I love this podcast we do every year because this is the NFL Draft Preview Podcast. So this will be a show that's dedicated solely to the NFL Draft. I know there's some stuff with the NBA, Amazing Baseball, and believe me, I want to get to all that stuff. What is that? And Logan Paul. Oh, Logan Paul. Yeah, no, Logan, Logan Paul. Not something I want to. I want to talk to talk about. I do want to talk about baseball and NBA, but we'll we'll curb that for this part of the pod uh, for this podcast because we want to make sure we zero in on the NFL draft, which is this upcoming Thursday. That's night one. We'll have the night two and then day three. So, um, Kendall, of course, my co-host here, plenty of stuff to talk about, man. I feel like this draft, for whatever reason, feels. It feels. It, I guess it kind of feels like the draft we had a couple years ago, where it was kind of like dramatic and we didn't know really what was going to happen i kind of have the that. baker draft no the baker daniel Don- jones the daniel jones draft uh kyler daniel jones yeah yeah where like the top the top feels we know and then like after that it feels like there's like the potential for chaos everywhere that's how i feel i don't know how you feel yeah i mean <laughs> well on the daniel jones thing i mean like the like the 49ers at three with all eyes, and we'll talk to we'll talk about the 49ers a little bit, but with all the the the, the eyes on whether or not they'll draft Mac Jones or Trey Lance or maybe even Justin Fields. Um it reminds me a lot of when the Giants had that number six pick, I believe yeah. it was, and we knew they we knew they were probably gonna draft a quarterback, and there was that same rumbling. It was not as high it probably wasn't as much as the Mac Jones, but there was that Rumbling that it might be Daniel Jones and the the Manning factor and the the, the, yeah. the Daniel Jones the Cutler factor like all of that went into play. Um, so you knew that oh there were people saying don't be surprised if Daniel Jones and Giants fans that were like it's got to be Haskins no <laughs> way it can't be Haskins yeah and it ended up being <laughs> Daniel Jones and there was obviously a ton of disappointment in New York you know looking back on that you know I mean. I can't really see the Daniel Jones thing has worked. Uh, I could say that they probably it, dodged the bullet. Yes, yeah, so it was better they didn't go after Haskins, though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I can't really knock the evaluation. They shouldn't have drafted a quarterback, <laughs> quite frankly. Right, but probably. Um, can't really knock the, 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 the Jones over Haskins thing too much. What's funny, but, what's funny about that um, draft, though, Kendall, is Jones actually ended up – he wasn't the most surprising pick in that top ten. Remember, the most surprising pick was Clellan Farrell at four. Oh, remember that? <laughs> you know wow. what I'm saying? Like that's what I'm trying to say. That that draft, like I feel like there's a potential for this draft to produce those kind of moments. Yeah, no one knows. I feel like no one knows anything about this draft. I agree. I think like, the teams are also doing a better like, job of like keeping close to the vest. Like four, I think people think it's going to be Pitts or it's going to be a quarterback or a trade. I wouldn't be shocked if it's not one of those four things, mm. or it's not one of those three things. I wouldn't be shocked if they go for someone completely off the board um, at the Atlanta Falcons. Like there, and there's gonna be even more teams as we go down the list that people have just been mocking the same guy for all of draft season. And I mean, just like in that draft, I mean, I, I, you know who else? Shocking. You know who I think? And I know we're kind of like kind of jumping into like weird territory, but you know who else? I think a team in that top ten who's like, I think I, I don't think anybody's really. <laughs> But I, I think the the Lions, I think, are a real joker in that top ten. <laughs> I think they could literally do yeah. anything. Yeah, that, that was one of the teams I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. In terms I mean, of 
they need everything. Like they, yeah. they don't. They could. They. I mean, if no, they're not out of the the the, the woods in terms of a quarterback. Um, their their wide receiver pool is very weak. They lost Kenny Galladay. They lost Marvin Jones. Um, you know, obviously you have a tight end in, in Hawkinson, but it's not going to stop you from drafting someone like Kyle Pitts. Uh, the offensive line needs help. Like they have. They've got issues all over the offensive side of the ball. And, then, and the other thing about the Lions, the other thing about the Lions to me, Kendall, is is when I see a new regime come in, regime that seems to be a little eccentric, those are the regimes that end up usually doing crazy stuff. You know, we saw that with Gruden, yep. and we saw that with uh, with uh, Homeboy, um, with, the, with the Giants, in that same draft. You yeah. know? So, like, like they're the team I kind of look at in this first top ten, the top ten, uh, I think Atlanta's actually a team I agree with as well. But I look at that Lions pick, and I'm like, man, the Lions. I don't know what they're gonna do, and, I, and that that makes that's what's gonna that's that's of course what makes the draft fun is when you have those kind of jokers that end up that could be doing anything unpredictable. Uh, but yeah, obviously Kendall's on the podcast with me today, uh, so it should be a good conversation. Again, I love talking. I love talking draft for like all sports, pretty much. I just think it's like the unique. I love talk, I mean, you know me. I you know you know me. I'm the guy who watches like. I watched the MLB draft. Religiously. Yeah, yeah. If, 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 you, if, you could, if you could convince me, you would definitely do an MLB draft show. Oh, yeah. we had 100. percent Yeah, that's all. That's all I love. Rocker, that's what kind of loves this stuff. Yeah, Jack Leiter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, man. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, any sort of draft. I love the intersection of college sports and professional sports. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. You know, obviously, we're both huge college basketball and college football fans, but we're also mm-hmm. both huge NBA and NFL fans. Like, you have plenty of people that are like, "Yeah, I love college football," but I don't really watch NFL, and it's wild to me. Like I know yeah, so many. I, like most, of, I feel like most of the fans I know don't watch. Like either they don't watch well, college football and they like the NFL, or they don't watch college basketball and like the NBA. And it's or it's vice versa. And I'm like, I don't. Yeah, it's the same sport. I don't. I don't. I don't know how <laughs> yeah. you, and you could and like a lot of times not the it's other. all the same guys that you like. Right. Now yeah. In some ways, it actually, it's almost like continuing the stories of their careers. It's almost like when you're watching a show, and then the show gets bumped up to a different, yeah. a different version of the same show. Like that's kind of the fun of it. It's seeing their careers start off as kids, and then seeing them go off to be professionals and see what they make of their lives. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that intersection of college, collegiate and, and professional athletics is always awesome when it comes to uh, uh, amateur drafts in all sports, hockey included. Um. So yeah. WNBA. So WNBA. Yeah, WNBA draft is super fun. Um. Yeah. From what I saw, I didn't get a chance to watch it because I was working that night. But it was a. Uh, but it seemed like a, a load of fun. So yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. Um. I'm looking forward to this conversation, man. It's been a long, long time coming, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to have some guests next week to to help uh, kind of you know break down all that all the chaos that will indeed ensue during this uh, weekend. But I do want to talk about uh the Niners at three. To start the show, Kendall. Cause I feel like that is for most people where they feel like the draft starts. I know that um, that uh, uh, Urban Meyer had said that you know right now they're down to three people, which is just ridiculous. You know, there's no way he's not going to be Trey Lance. Uh, excuse me, uh, to, to Trevor Lawrence. Um, but he's out down to Lawrence Wilson and Fields, which is interesting. Fields in that in that cast, but but nonetheless, um, we know it's going to happen at one. The Jets. Just seem like a lock for Zach Wilson at two, so then we sit here at number three, and 
the Niners made that dramatic trade to move up into the, to the third pick to select a quarterback. I mean, that's what all that's all what everybody's saying. That's what we're expecting. And they got the report from Ian Rappaport saying that the, right now the decision is coming down to two quarterbacks. It's coming down to Trey Lance and Mac Jones. Justin Fields, who, as Urban Meyer said, was in the conversation for number one, how much I believe that is whatever, but that is what he said. Not in the conversation at number three, according to that report. Again, there's a lot of misdirection. There's a lot of doubled speak. There's a lot of things that happen during the draft, but this is what Ian Rappaport is hearing at this time. Ian Rappaport is um, as good as there is right now in terms of a scoop game in the NFL. So yeah. I have or- no doubt that someone in the know told him that. Whether it's true or not, uh, who knows? Because that's we know they lie to these guys on purpose. Let's let's stick with the two guys they have. We'll get to Fields maybe in the second part of this conversation. Of those yes. two guys, what do you which which guy do you think would be a better fit for San Francisco? So, first, I think it's funny. I didn't know about the the Urban Meyer thing. Um, yeah, he said that today. I do believe that we're recording on the Tuesday. Yeah, I, by the way. Um, I yeah, I do believe that they probably were, you know, considering all three guys on some level. Like I, you know, <laughs> I'm sure they came to. Urban Meyer didn't take that job without the presumption that he's probably going to draft Trevor Lawrence. But um, I do find that interesting. Uh, I feel like Ryan Day. I feel like that's a that that was also a uh, kind of a him throwing a bone to Ohio State, getting Fields into that conversation. Um, I mean, I think Fields should be in that conversation. Again, we'll get to that later. But mm-hmm. I think that that was also him throwing a bone to his guys. But um, on the 49ers, when you talk about Mac Jones, Trey Lance. Um, it seems right now, if I were to guess, the signs are pointing to Mac Jones. Um, it's one of those things where, like, every time I, as long as I follow the drafts, whenever you have a, a situation where you have, like, all the, you know, you're picking between, like, three guys, you're hearing, oh, a team's going to pick between two or three guys. If there's a guy in that mix that probably, like, doesn't belong there, or, like, you would be, like, isn't the consensus or doesn't make sense to be in that conversation. That's probably the the that's probably where they're going, you know. Like, it reminds me of when the Celtics had the number three pick in 20, 2016, um, when they drafted Jalen Brown. All the talk was, oh, they drowned a uh, Chris Dunn, Dragon Bender, and, or Chris Dunn, Jamal Murray, and and Jalen Brown, you know. And it's like, yeah. I remember feeling like, I think we might get Jalen Brown. Like, you won't put that guy's name in the conversation. When everyone else thinks you're getting Chris Dunn, unless you're seriously considering drafting that guy. With that being said, uh, do I think that's the right decision, or do I think he's the best fit for the 49ers? Uh, no. Um, I think he is a really good game manager, uh, which is not a, a, not really supposed to be a knock. Um, it's not a knock if that was a guy I was drafting in the in the late first round. Not a guy, not really a huge knock if it's a guy I'm drafting in the mid first round. But when you're drafting a guy at number three. It's it's tough because I know them. I, I know what Mac Jones' ceiling is, or at least I feel like I know it. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people say, but Tom Brady, why why can't he? I? And people are mentioning Tom Brady, and that's fine. Um, but like that's the biggest outlier in the history of the NFL draft. You know, no, guys the weird thing about Tom Brady. The weird thing about Tom Brady though is what I feel like with I, I feel like the Tom Brady argument is kind of dumb because I feel like with every you can make that case with every player. Like, who is this guy 
that was, you know, clearly underdrafted um, when when the draft happened. But then also you got to take yeah. into consideration that Brady got a lot better. Like no way, yeah, nobody ever takes into consideration the development of Tom Brady as a quarterback. Like clearly he was way underdrafted. Clearly he should have been a first round pick given what his career happened and how he came burst onto the scene just his second or third year in the, in the NFL took his team all the way to the Super Bowl. But I mean. Again, the first two years of Brady, he didn't look like he was going to be the greatest of all time. I watched him. I'm a Jeff fan. Yeah. He looked like a, a really great young quarterback, but nobody thought he was the GOAT. He clearly improved and developed, and those are, those are intangibles that there's no way you can predict. So I, I find it weird when we bring up the com- Brady conversation with Mac Jones. It's like, I don't know if he's – like, to me, Mac Jones, uh, not the greatest driving the ball down the field, doesn't have special arm talent. I don't know if he's going to get stronger and better and, and work more on that part of Tom his game. Tom Brady got stronger. Right. Tom Brady stronger. throws one of the best deep balls in the NFL. He wasn't throwing like that at Michigan. Like, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's like, it, this, there's like, it's some, some stuff is like common sense. And it's not to say that Mac Jones can't get to that level. But when you're talking about grading a guy for what he is now, I, like, I don't understand when you say, well, what if he's Tom Brady? It's like, well, what if anybody's Tom Brady? Tom Brady improved a hell of a lot. From his first year at the Patriots to where he is now at the Bucks. And look, I mean, just me personally, like, I don't throw out Brady comparisons lightly. Right, I, right. I don't, he's I'm, I he's the last like, guy I'm really comparing anybody to Tom Brady to, to, to comparing to anybody. You know, yeah. you know, you know how much leading up to the draft, I loved Joe Burrow. I know you loved Joe Burrow before even I did, but yeah. I, I was thrown out. I was like, look, he kind of reminds me of Tom Brady a little bit. I felt bad even saying it, but he really did. And I like Burrow more than I like Trevor Lawrence. So, like, me saying that is not me saying, like, oh, yeah, the guy who I've got ranked 13th on my board kind of reminds me of Tom Brady. That right, right. Yeah, right, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, like this guy is one of the best QB drafters I've ever seen. So, therefore, he's comparing he to one of the one? great quarterbacks I've ever seen. Why are the Jets looking at him? Like, right. <laughs> I don't know. Some of this stuff is common sense to me. But, um... So yeah, let me look. I again, I like Mac Jones. He's fine, but what I could keep, what I come down to when it comes to difference between him and Trey Lance is that, I mean, I wouldn't draft either of these guys again. I mentioned Justin Fields, but if you're talking about it just between those two, overall talent level of Trey Lance is higher. And we were talking about drafting a quarterback, where you're saying to yourself, we've said it about Zach Wilson that when you're talking about a quarterback on a rookie deal. You have a much better chance of building um, a winning football team around that guy because they're not making $100 million. They're not making superstar quarterback money. So now in the, right. within the salary cap, you can build other pieces around your football team, which is why teams like the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills and the Chiefs recently um, have been able to be really successful in the Los Angeles Rams before they paid golf. When I'm talking about drafting a guy like Mac Jones – or when you're drafting anybody in the top three, whether it's Lawrence, whether it's Wilson, wherever you want to draft a guy that is like Russell Wilson, where if Aaron Rodgers, when I pay that guy, I don't, I'm not worried that now all of a sudden my team can't win because I have a quarterback that's making $150 million and I can't win with this guy around a bunch of average players. And that is going to be the question in your evaluation of Mac Jones. It's not who's the most NFL ready, in my opinion, because you could make the case. I, I wouldn't make the case, but you could. I don't. I wouldn't think you're crazy if you're saying, "Look, Mac Jones next year might be better than Trey Lance, or might be better than Justin Fields, might be better than Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence." 
Maybe. But ultimately, do you think that Mac Jones' ceiling, if he does win games early in his career, do you think that he's going to be good enough to win games on a bad roster? Deshaun Watson. Yeah, or at the very least on a I roster, know, the, at very least on a roster that he's going to have to uplift. Isn't stat. Yeah. yeah. I, I've seen Deshaun Watson at least try to do it, and even he had troubles, struggles last year. I've seen Russell Wilson do it. I've seen Patrick Mahomes do it. I think Trevor Lawrence has that talent level. I think Zach Wilson has that talent level. I think Justin Fields has that talent level. I don't know if Mac Jones does. So can he win next year in San Francisco if they draft him? Sure. I, you know, I wouldn't bet on it because the NFC West is tough, but it's not impossible. They have, he has a good roster around him. Could you build a good roster around a quarterback like him on a rookie deal and win games in Shanahan's system? Probably. But what happens when you do win games? And he's like Jared Goff. Where or now you got to pay the guy hundred million dollars, and then you, the Rams realize uh, Jared Goff can't really win unless he has everything set up for him. So Trey Lance, I don't know. You know he's a he's a, he's, a, he's of course he's a he's a bit of a risk given the, the you know the level of competition. Not a lot of snaps. Only played one season. Didn't play last season, but, but the talent level is much higher than than. Mac Jones. So if he hits, he can be one of those guys that can win without the deck stacked against him or stacked do, for him. Yeah. Right. I mean, I do feel like there is a fair question to be asked about is it fair to you label, you know, in your opinion, Mac Jones looks to be more like a game manager. I mean, is it fair to say that about a guy who threw for, you know, threw 41 touchdowns last year, only threw four picks, threw for 4,500 yards? Um, Obviously, was a national champion. Like, like, is that a fair? Is that a fair assessment? Because like, there's no way to, to to suggest how he played at Alabama was a game manager. Um, so, so <laughs> yeah. explain explain a little bit why you and then you scout these guys. Like, why do you come to that conclusion? Someone who's so who has such a dominant uh, junior season. So I think when it comes to Mac Jones, I mean, look, the stats are you're you're right. I and mean, you're if you're drafting this from a pure statistical standpoint. Um. They, yeah. He he is the closest thing to what Joe Burrow was last year. Mm-hmm. Um. What? When you peel back the onion a little bit on Mac Jones' success, it really doesn't take a lot of. <laughs> you don't have. It doesn't take a lot of peeling really to 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 realize that you know a lot of those yards, you know, a lot of screen passes, right. a lot of screen to Devontae Smith, screen to Jalen Waddle, and the guy takes it eighty yards. Yeah, you know, or screen to Najee Harris and he takes it fifty yards, or RPO slant to Devontae Smith, RPO slant to Jalen Waddle, fifty yards. You know, like not, and that's that's probably a, an oversimplification of their offense, an oversimplification of Mac Jones' success. That's not all he did. He's made plays, yeah. um, but a lot of clean pockets, a lot of RPOs, a lot of screens, um, and look, it's smart. Play calling from right. from Sarkeesian. Right. Yeah, they were, they were winning. Not, they were killing not, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not knocking Alabama's offense. I'm not knocking even Mac Jones, but it's just to say that those stats, while they do reflect someone who's more explosive than a than your quote unquote game manager, I, I I feel like when you're translating that to the NFL level, when he's not going to have he may have receivers just as good as Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, but they're not going to be going up against, you know, your your average corner from Arkansas or your corner from Missouri. You know, like it's going to be a much more level playing field on all areas of the of the field. Um, 
And so that's why I would want a guy who gives me a little bit, who's shown me that they have the arm talent to push the ball down the field. Yeah. You know, they're they're not throwing screens. Uh, they have they've dealt with a little bit more pressure. And that and look, Trey Lance, keep it a buck, keep it keep it keep it one hundred. He has dealt with a similar situation, right? Exactly. That Mac Jones, but he's the FCS version of Mac Jones. He's had everything. Um, you know, he's had yeah. the advantage. Yeah, North, North Dakota, Dakota Yeah, North Dakota State is like the Alabama of the, the FCS. Yeah, so that's that's going to be something that they're going to have to teams are going to have to comb through as well. Is look, if you're not you're not having Mac Jones, why exactly you're hiring Trey Lance? I mean, he's a little bit younger. You know, I think he definitely has a stronger arm, more physical tools. Um, and then ultimately, it's just going to come down to how how comfortable are you about drafting a guy from the FCS after seeing what Carson Wentz did coming straight from North Dakota State. The starting pretty much well was he a week one starter with the Eagles? He like I really so. early. Yeah. yeah, I believe he came in and he yeah. was starting week one. He was a week one starter and was, you know, right off the gate was really good. Um like that I think definitely helps Trey Lance uh from that regard. But um where where do you see this this quarterback conversation? So I mean look when it comes to the when it comes to the 49ers, let me be clear, I, I don't I don't think either guy to me is a top three pick kind of guy. I get why. No. I get why in this circumstance they are in the conversation because it's one of those things where if you're going to draft that high, you might as well draft a quarterback if that's what you feel like you need. And I think the Niners, given not just Jimmy G's like uneven play, but just his also his injury problems. I mean, he's, he's not a he's proving to be I think a little more injury prone. They'd be willing to be comfortable considering. His play has also been, again, as I said, uneven. So I, I get why you're in a position where you say, well, we got to get a quarterback and we can't afford it. We don't want to get the guy that's left over to everybody. Um, so they want to be able to kind of control their own destiny a little bit. They can't obviously get into the top two, but they can choose out of these other quarterbacks that are remaining. I mean, I, I feel like Trey Lance has an upside because of his physical traits that would be a little more intriguing to me than, than Mac Jones as a player. I think Mac Jones can be a decent quarterback. I think that to me, like I said, no, I told you off the air. I think Mac Jones reminds me a lot of one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, Chad Pennington of the New York Jets. Uh, Interesting. Super smart, um, accurate, uh, winner. You know, Chad Pennington lost like one game in college, something crazy. Like, like to me, and then Chad Pennington before the shoulder surgeries could throw the ball more down the field than he could after. Like. The time he got to the Jets and he'd been through a couple of shoulder surgeries, he couldn't move the ball down the field. You know, before that, he was never a guy that was a strong arm kind of guy. And to me, he's kind of similar to uh, Mac Jones in that sense. Like, he was playing with Randy Moss, so of course he can get the ball down the field. But he's not a guy <laughs> that's going to be, you know, pushing the ball, you know, 30, 40 yard passes throughout the game. You know, he's a guy that is in some ways kind of a game manager. Um, but you can certainly win with him. And I think Mac Jones reminds me of that. I guess my question for the Niners would be, do you feel like you guys are in a position right now where that's what you need? I would argue you kind of already have that kind of player um, in, in Jimmy G. I, I just don't think you're drafting. If I'm drafting in the top three, I'm not drafting to get Chad Pennington. And I love, again, I love Chad Pennington. He's one of my favorite. He's probably my favorite Jet of all time. But that's the that's the issue I have. So it's like, okay, then I look at Trey Lance, and the issues I have with Lance are, you know, the accuracy kind of comes and goes a little bit. 
Um, the level of competition, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not as crazy about. And I didn't see him play for a whole season, basically. Like, that's the, you know, that's the... The, the that's one the time really, he did, he played bad. Yeah, and that's know? like the, that's like the, almost really the major caveat to me. Like, I, I get why he did it, you know, or why, why we only saw him one time, but, like, I, I need to see... If I'm drafting a quarterback, I need to see him play in this calendar year. Like I, I, the fact that like I only have one game of tape to go off of, and I'm going off of what happened the prior year essentially to make that decision. I don't feel comfortable with that either. I think given what the Shanahan offenses normally um, acts of their quarterbacks, which is a lot of rollouts, a lot of play action. I think given Lance's natural physical abilities, he he probably has more upside within Shanahan's system. But I I, I think that Mac Jones would probably be better I think in year one but the question is how how good can he actually be to me if you're drafting quarterback in top three you gotta be think that he can win your Super Bowl that's gotta be your your not even that you think you gotta be almost convinced he can win your Super Bowl and I'm not convinced Mac Jones is winning a Super Bowl at all so that would be my concern like and also when I when I look at when the Niners make this trade I know it was the number three pick but you're trading to the top of the draft in search for a quarterback, it seems. Mm-hmm. To me, I think you have to feel like you're drafting a quarterback that you think is worthy of the number one pick in the draft. In, in, or worthy, that could be worthy. in Because in, you're saying he's better than every other player in the draft. Like, outside of the two quarterbacks, he's better than every other yeah. position player. And you're willing to give draft. up picks, and you're willing to give up picks this year and next year in order to secure him. So, so you, you feel like, like this is a number one pick kind yeah, of guy. Yeah, not only is he is great this year, but that you think he's better than most of the guys that will be out next year that yeah. can help your team. 100%. And that doesn't – I mean, It's it, a it, weird it position because, like, if he, if it's Lance, it's like how do you draft that guy but feel like he's a project if you, that's what you're doing? <laughs> but then when Mac Jones is like, you know, like, look, I beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Like, they may feel like he's that dude. Like they really that, they feel that, that way. There's some people. There's some people that feel that way about him. I just I don't. As that's not angry, how I. That's not how I see him. As angry as some people have been about the Mac Jones evaluation, and you know, should he go through? I I've, I said it a couple weeks ago when, we, when I went on my Justin Fields rant. I'm not as I, I'm not as upset with necessarily the 49ers as I have been with the media in sure. terms of the the Justin Fields Mac Jones discourse. I I don't. If the 49ers draft Mac Jones, more power to him. That's their evaluation. It's their billion-dollar franchise. If they're wrong, those guys won't have a job in a couple yeah, years. It's on, it's if they're right, that. then they will have been right. And, again, more power to him. Like, I'm not mad about them drafting Mac Jones. Like, you know, if that's the evaluation, if that's what they – that's the determination, whatever system they use to, to draft prospects, to evaluate players, if they came to the conclusion that – Mac Jones have a higher grade, is higher on their board than Trey Lance, than Justin Fields. Then, uh, how can I knock them? You know, I can't. I don't personally, off of what I've seen on tape and all the little background that I know about these guys, I don't come to that conclusion. Not even close. But I'm not also not in their war room. I don't know what conversations they're having. I don't know what info they have. But, um. So I'm not mad at the 49 for making this selection if that's what if that's the the route they're going. Um, I almost feel like there's. I mean, to me, do you? What that also the weird thing about this is to me like to me a Jones and Fields conversation makes more sense than a Jones Lance conversation because to me a Jones and Fields conversation like 
I feel like, okay, you guys are saying, like, which guy can help us, like, now? We feel like we could win, turn us around. This division is becoming hellacious by the minute, it feels like. Every team is stacking up. We need somebody that can come in and help us get to the next level quick. So I would get that conversation. When I see Mac Jones and Trey, Trey Lance, I'm like, okay, well, one guy, I think there's a chance he may be better, way better suited early on than the other guy. Um, but the other guy is definitely more of an upside pick. I think whoever takes him. So if the 49ers draft, it's, just a, it's like it's like to me like the fact that they're deciding between these two guys is very strange. Like to me, it it, it tell it tells me that there's some there is somewhat of an identity crisis that find the 49ers are going through. That's how I see it. Because these two guys don't make sense in terms of a conversation about quarterback. So they totally different. Of that is that there's somebody in the front office or coaching staff that likes one guy. And or there's a, there's a group in the front office that likes one guy, there's a group that likes the other. From the reports, it seems like Kyle Shanahan, his team Mac Jones, and that Lynch, and their their assistant GM Adam Peters, and their front office is pro Trey Lance. Um, but that Lynch is said he said publicly in the press conference yesterday that there he's going to defer to Kyle Shanahan when it comes to you know quarterbacks. Um, so if that's the case, that's why people, I think, assume that Mac Jones is going to be the guy. But, I mean, I agree that that wouldn't make any sense. If you put – if they – I mean, Kyle Shanahan said yesterday, you know, when asked if Jimmy G is going to be on the roster this weekend, he said, I can't guarantee any of us are even going to be alive this weekend, so I yeah. can't tell you who's <laughs> going to be on the roster. So obviously a very morbid answer in general, but, like, that – all indications suggest Jimmy G might not be – on the team this weekend. Yeah. And first of all, that is a far cry from when they traded for the pick and they said, Jimmy G is going to be our starter next year. Yeah. Wow. Through all the sources. Um, yeah. Chosen. Yeah, I, I mean, look, this is crazy. People were yeah. saying at the time, Oh, this is a lot. This like, is nonsense. Yeah. All the time. You know, like when the, the Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury said, Josh Rosen is going to be our guy when he got the job. And then they drafted Kyle Murray a couple weeks later. Like, of course he seems a lot. So, but if, again, if they do trade Jimmy G, I just can't imagine you're putting Trey Lance out there game one. I mean, I like that seems very seem un, like an unnecessary risk. Matt Jones, I wouldn't put him out game one either. Um, but I think if your evaluation of him is that high, you can make you can make you can sell me on it. Just because he has, even though he has the same amount of games, he just has more years under a high-level system than Trey Lance does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's where I'm at. I mean, ultimately, I think just from a, just from an evaluation standpoint, I think the fact that Justin Fields isn't in the conversation, it seems, is uh, is nuts. I, I feel like my, my guess, not my guess, but I feel like something, there has to be something that we don't know. That is dropping Justin Fields. You know, I know the epilepsy thing was put out there. The, the fact that he's been dealing with epilepsy uh, and he's had seizures, or he he could, you know, epilepsy obviously is a, a disorder that you can get seizures right. uh, at times. He he hasn't had issues with it. He's had medication. Uh, they think that he may be he may he may be done with it anyway. Um, I know that's been put out there, and look, I don't know if that's dropping him or not. Again, I'm not <laughs> I'm not in NFL circles. Um, necessarily, but it to me 
there's just nothing on tape or on film that suggests that Justin Fields shouldn't be at lowest the third pick in this draft. That's um, how I see it. I mean, that's 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 how I see it. I don't I don't I don't see it any other way. Um, I mean, it, 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 look, the, and I will say again, like with Lance, like I don't get it, but I do see like this guy, man. He's uh, his, his athleticism. And his arm strength, and like I, I, I could the production at such a young age. I yeah, mean, and the all... production comes in, and the guy is lighting it up. Um, after not playing, you know, especially when he was redshirted. Like, I, I, I get, I get why I get some of the hype for him, but again, I just don't understand a guy who could be as touted as as Justin Fields was, and basically live up to the hype. I mean, it just wasn't really. We never looked at it and said, oh, Justin Fields, time Ohio State was like, you know, uh, EJ, you know, we're, I mean, we're history. obviously, we talked about how we're huge college football fans. We follow recruiting. Like, you know how many quarterbacks, like, come in every year and don't work out? Like, yeah. like these, like the top high school quarterbacks in the country that come in, they may start day one, they may not. But, like, guys who are the number one, number two quarterback in the country, that they, they just don't work out. And those guys, don't typically don't get drafted very high or you have guys that they work out but they're not they're not you know game changers you know jimmy clausen came in was was very good at notre dame you know he was solid but not a game changer christian hackenberg very good not a game changer um matt barkley went to usc with all the hype he was good but not a game changer and those guys they end up being mid first round mid draft mid round picks in the nfl draft um like what Justin Fields is is not those guys. Like he was way more dynamic and way more impressive. Like he lived up to every every expectation that people had. And also, again, we also follow high school recruiting. And we know like how how rare is it for a quarterback to be considered the number one or two player in the country? Like pretty rare. Yeah, it's fairly rare. Yeah, it doesn't very, happen very often. Very often, you'll you'll look at a top one hundred player list or top 150 ESPN 300 or whatever. Yep. The number one player is almost always defensive end. Defensive end. Always, yeah. Always, defensive yeah, it's probably yeah. a defensive end. Like sometimes yeah. you may have a wide receiver, you may have some running back that's crazy, but it's typically a, some sort of defensive end that's just yeah. that's, that's going to end up defensive, like, defensive lineman. Yeah, you know, if it's not an end, it's someone. Yeah, some sort of defensive lineman. Or an athlete. If some guy and I, and I a lot of that, and a lot of that I think has to do with those guys being most physically mature. If you're great at that position, it's probably because yeah. you look like you should be playing in the NFL already. And some kids are like that. Yeah, it's, it's so easy. Yeah, it's so easy to, to, to grade and those playing, guys out. Yeah, they're playing as high school so, kids who are nowhere near as developed as them. I mean, they're going to just maul those people. Which is what happens. So it's, it is rare. It's, it's incredibly rare for those guys to be the number one and two players in the country, which is why Lawrence and Fields, who were one and two, depending on who you ask, were were so hyped up coming into yeah, college. They were, yeah, they were phenoms. And both of both of them were incredible in college. Lawrence won the national championship as a freshman, goes to two more college football playoffs. Fields, unfortunately, can't get on the field in Georgia. That's a whole other conversation. Has to transfer to, to Ohio State and has his team, only only two losses he suffered were in the college football playoff, undefeated in the regular season, barely lost to Clemson his first year as a starter, and the second year dominates Clemson and then loses to Alabama. And 
I don't know what happened in between there that has become Trevor Lawrence is the, is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And Justin Fields, depending on who you ask, you know, he's going to Tampa at 32. <laughs> <laughs> he's packing up Brady. How does this happen? Again, I'm not going to get into that rant again, but it's just that that is that is the all encompassing of just why a lot of people are so high on Justin Fields beyond like the traits and the stuff you see in film. Like it's, it's, it's the story is not much different than, than Trevor Lawrence. Besides the fact that he had to transfer because you couldn't beat out Drake Fromm, the story isn't that much different. So yeah, I mean, that that's why, you know, in part, it's crazy to me that he's falling as far as he is, but um, I feel like, to me, it, look, I said it before, it reminds me a lot of Luka Doncic um, when he was coming out of Europe into the NBA draft, and there was a similar confusion among draft people, a similar disconnect where, like, for some reason, these teams at the top don't want him, but, like, everyone in the media and a lot of people you'll see on TV are just like, I mean, the stuff I'm seeing suggests this guy should be uh, going higher than he's yeah. being projected. But, um, and similar to Luka Doncic, I think you're going to see a team trade up to get Justin Fields. A team that wouldn't normally be in the position to get Justin Fields is, is going to trade pa- up. Is, is it the Pats, you think? The, the Pats are the leading candidate. Um, they'll be in that conversation. Um, I've wondered about Pittsburgh. It doesn't sound like they're gonna do it, but I've wondered. I wonder if Pittsburgh will take a mm. take a swing. I know they have Haskins, so they may that that may throw things off. Although, that's no, not I, really I, I'm, not making, I'm not making any decisions on my future with <laughs> my quarterback because I got Dwayne Haskins. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's I, I feel the same way. <laughs> um, Denver is at nine. They could just sit. They could sit where they are. I think nine is going to be the the floor, in my opinion. Um, if Denver passes, then I would then all hell could break loose. Because then at that point, you're talking about teams that need quarterbacks that are just passing on. They're just like, I don't want them. Like, and then at that point, I mean, you know, I mean, the Eagles could pass on them, the Vikings could pass on them, the Patriots could pass on them. So all those teams are going to be in that range could conceivably sell themselves on drafting a quarterback. Um, but I think ideally, I think most realistically, you're, you're going to see a team try to trade into that seven or eight spot with Detroit or, or Carolina. Hmm. Um, I'm hoping he's as a Vikings fan, obviously. But, yeah. um, and there's been word that Minnesota is trying to trade up, whether that's for a, a lineman or that's for Fields. I hope it's Fields. Um, but, uh, but then I think New England, yeah, you're right. They're probably the the leader leader in the pack in that regard. I would think so too. I mean, I mean, Bill has like he's flirted with the idea of trading for quarterbacks or drafting quarterbacks, and has never, you know, ended up pulling the trigger. I wonder if this is the day, this is the year where he finally does it. Obviously, you know, he doesn't have Brady anymore. So now, like we, like whatever the end game was, like we're there now when it comes to needing to replace Brady. You know, Cam's on another one-year deal, and I don't know if anyone thinks he's a long-term answer. So, remember the rumor that they tried to trade up for Baker? Yeah. Uh, at, in that Saquon draft, they wanted to trade with the with the Giants. 
but then Baker went number one. Went number one. Yeah, so it didn't matter. Yeah, so I think this is I think this is probably the year. Uh, I've also heard Chicago. You know, they could be a team. Uh, they they could trade up. They desperately need a quarterback. I mean, their situation is, is just. I mean, it's just it's almost like embarrassing. Like uh, I'm watching um, I'm watching Kyle from uh, uh from what's the name from NFL from uh, uh what's the show? Oh, Kyle Brandt. Yeah, from yeah. Uh, Good Morning Football, and like he's just depressed talking about the Bears <laughs> QB situation. He's a big Bears fan, and shout out to the Good Morning Football team, one of my favorite sports shows out right now. And look, I you know I root for the Bears too, and like it's just like pathetic what they that Andy Dalton right now they going at like this is just this is just life. Andy Dalton starting QB one week one QB one. It's like this can't this can't be this can't be the case. Like it, like. The 49ers really are saying, we're not sure about Jimmy Garoppolo. We're going to give up all of our assets. We're, the 49ers are saying, we're not sure about Jimmy Garoppolo. Who went to the Super Bowl. And to get Mac Jones and the Bears are like, Andy they, Dalton is cute. Yeah, they signed Andy Dalton. And they were like, he's the guy. They didn't even have him on the roster. It wasn't, it wasn't like they had him there. Oh, we, we like what we see. They, they brought him from another team. They were like, this is our guy now. Niners like, we would have given you guys Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, for Niners had game. Jimmy Garoppolo. And they were like, ah, no, we need to get, we need to do better. Super Bowl runner-up, not good enough. You know, like, like the, the, it just, the, 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 I don't know. It just feels like the, the, just the energy around the Chicago Bears right now is not good. I don't, I don't like the vibe. I don't like anything about anything they're doing. So I hope that maybe this weekend uh, is a turn for them. So they might be a team to look at as well. I do want to talk quickly a little bit about some of these receivers. I know he's been a lot of time in those QBs. Uh, I was hoping it wouldn't be too long, but it, when we get to Fields, it always becomes a long conversation because he's the most <laughs> he's one of the most polarizing draft players. He's probably the most polarizing draft player since Dan Jones, I think, um, in terms of just like who drives the most conversation and most angry talks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fields I mean, is, it's similar to the Haskins Daniel Jones thing. Yeah, Matt exactly. That's Fields thing. Yeah, so like, so I and knew. Look, it was, I mean, you know me. I didn't even like the way show. That's why this is like. I know. That's why yeah. this is so crazy. That's like I didn't like either one of those guys before. Like I was. I mean, I like Drew Locke, and I. You haven't exactly been, you know, greater than sliced bread, but I didn't like either one of those guys. So I thought the debate was kind of stupid. I was like, I mean, <laughs> you're probably gonna be screwed with either one. Um, this time, I, I you couldn't feel any stronger about it. This is nuts that Magdalene might go higher than uh, Justin Fields. Speaking of Denver, I think they're also a team that maybe not maybe they're not a trade up team, but if Fields falls to them, that he could they could be that could be an option there. Um, yes, but still st- talking about the uh, I want to talk about these wide receivers a bit because I felt like after the season it was all Devontae Smith and how could you not talk about him? He was so spectacular the whole season and then spectacular in the playoffs. Like it, like he was it was just incredible just how dominant he was. Like I. I'm trying to think. I can't remember the last time I saw a receiver that was like that that dominant. It felt like, like where it's just like you could not cover him, you couldn't keep him out of the end zone. Like, it just it just seemed like automatic with him in their offense. And you know, people look at his height, they look at his weight, and all of a sudden it's like you know, hey Jamar Chase, hey Big Head, maybe you're the top receiver again. That's what it feels like, Kendall. Like, like, like. like it was all Devontae Smith talk after the draft. And, you know, should Miami keep staying three and, and pairing with Tua? Like, that was a talk. You won't find anybody yeah. talking about him. Obviously, he's not going to be a three, but you don't want to hear anybody talking about him in the top four or five now. But Jamar Chase is still getting that 
talk. I saw, uh, I was watching, again, good morning. Actually, this might have been NFL, uh, NFL Now. But someone making the case, you know, should Cincinnati, we know we've been talking about them and getting alignment. Like, should they consider pairing uh, uh, pairing Joe Barrow and those, those, those fresh new threads they got this year and pairing them up with another Tiger? playing uh and putting uh chase on the outside i mean do you do you do you uh agree with how this is shaking out where chase is kind of now becoming the top guy and do you think that you know do you feel like smith and wado or, or should be more in that conversation yeah so if it wasn't for justin fields i would be a lot more frustrated about the Devonte smith thing really um yeah i think He's gotten a raw deal. And it's not necessarily on the Jamar Chase thing. Because, look, Jamar Chase is a baller, a stud. Um, I feel better about Jamar Chase because of what Justin Jefferson did last year. Um, you know, and I may sometimes – I go back to it and I think about, oh, was I a little too high on Burrow? When I think about having <laughs> Jefferson and Chase and – Clyde Rizzi Lair, like uh, maybe Burrow is good, but maybe he's not Tom Brady, like I mentioned last year. Um, but like the problem I have with Devontae Smith, the Devontae Smith thing is now there are some people that are moving Waddle ahead of him. I just think that that's crazy. I personally think that that's that that's nuts. Um, you know, I I when it comes to Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle, I can I, like. Really, I think it does depend on the team that you that you're talking about. Um, I personally, if you're talking about a team, you're starting a team. Devontae Smith, a million times over. Um, yeah. wow. But I feel like the difference in the in the players comes with if you're talking about a team that needs uh, an alpha number one receiver, uh, a high volume of targets kind of guy, you got to go for Devontae Smith. Like, and if you're talking about Miami, like that's. That's Devontae Smith. That's what they need. I mean, I like Devontae Parker, but I don't think he's number one. Um, to me, Jalen Waddle, that's a guy that can't, in my opinion, I don't think he can be a number one guy. I, I like. I don't think he is as polished a receiver. Um, you know, he is a speed guy, which is, is great, but um, I just see too many of those guys that get overdrafted because their speed um, and they're asked to be number one receivers, and they struggle because they don't have the polish as receivers. And mm-hmm. we saw it last year. Henry Ruggs wasn't great. John Ross a couple years ago wasn't great. I mean, as a Vikings fan, I remember Troy Williamson, guy with a burner, couldn't risk, right. couldn't catch. You know, couldn't play receiver. And I'm not saying Jalen Waddle can't catch, but to me, when I'm when I'm talking about overall building that. Building your offense around a guy like Devontae Smith is a lot easier. I've seen him be the high-volume guy. I've seen him be the number one guy, uh, and teams can't stop him. I, I mean, he reminds me a lot of uh, Chad Ochocinco um, mm. with not being the biggest, strongest, fastest, but knowing how to get open, being an elite route runner, having great hands, great yeah. jump ball ability, like really the total package outside of the, the physical the physical tool. Um to me, like, a situation for Waddle where I may actually lean Waddle over Devontae Smith would be, like, Arizona. Because I know, like, when I'm talking about Devontae Smith going to Arizona, Devontae Smith needs to be, I think, a high volume of targets kind of guy. And you've got, you've got, you have DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. So 
bringing Devontae Smith, I think, is a little bit redundant in that regard. You can, I mean, he, you know, you can't have too many weapons. But Jalen Waddle, if I'm talking about Arizona, I want a guy who's going to change the dimensions of my offense. And the Cardinals have a guy like Christian Kirk who's good. Uh, but I think Waddle is even a little bit more explosive than Christian Kirk. So I don't think Waddle can be a 15-target guy. You know, I think he's a guy that you put out there and tell him to go deep or you tell him, you know, you, you, like there's going to – there needs to be safety help on his side of the field because, you know, he can beat you deep. You know, you get the ball on his hands on a screen and things can go bad for the for the defense. Um, so you pair him with New Hopkins, and now that offense looks completely different. Um, you put him in Miami, I mean – Waddle's not a scrub, so you might still be able to. I think that helps Tua, but he doesn't give Tua the number one option that he needs. Or Philly, Philly needs Devontae Smith rather than Jalen Waddle. So mm-hmm. the Giants, I think, need Devontae Smith instead of Jalen Waddle. Um, so to me, to me, that's the conversation. That's why I don't think Jalen Waddle's a guy I would draft in the top fifteen personally. Right. Um, but if you're talking Chase and Smith, it's hard for me to to knock Jamar Chase because he essentially did what Jalen Waddle with Devontae Smith did last year. Um, he just didn't play this year. Uh, and rightfully so. He was smart. The LSU quarterback situation was terrible. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, if he does play, is he going in the top five? I don't know. Um, so, yeah. And what's wild about the LSU situation is, like, you know, while as bad as it was, I mean, Terrace Marshall actually went out there and. He was excellent. <laughs> yeah. I didn't <laughs> under it. But, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, he went out there and actually ended up having a pretty darn good season. And now he's in a conversation about, uh, you know, being, you know, maybe in the first round, potentially. You Again, know? it makes me look at Burrow and say, man, had a lot of weapons, man. <laughs> Burrow had some dogs on the outside, man. He had, he had some dogs because, you know, Terrence Marshall, nobody was talking about him. And this, again, this guy, he might go first round. <laughs> he, so. Again, you, you know, you've been you're you're a huge college football fan. Yeah. When it comes to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, have you seen an example of a team that has two receivers like that, where the lesser guy, quote unquote, or the number two is a stud, but the number one guy just doesn't work? Hmm. I can't because I can't. Well, first of all, to be clear, like a lot of there are very few teams that have. Two first round caliber wide receivers that played together. Yeah, that's become a new thing in the age of like, you know, college football where everybody goes to the same team. Right. But so, yeah. so like, but that's like a rare. And also, like, I think receivers are much better now than they were back then. So there's a better chance you'll have two really high caliber receivers together, you know? Like, the, the odds right. of that even happening are, are just very low. So, like, because, so, like, I watched a thing on Jamar Chase the other day. He was talking about how, like, you know, I was a four-star, but I wasn't, like, this, like, you know, it was not all, all, all world. Yeah, it was all world. Everybody knew I was going to be the number one guy. He wasn't that dude coming out of high school. Uh, None of these guys. Yeah. You guys were talking about. But, like, you know, he said I worked on my game, and, I, and my, that, that, that drive to be one of those top guys is why I'm here. And, like, I think that what I guess what I'm trying to say is that, like, you could develop – the guy with the physical tools and the want, and the want to, you can develop that guy into a stud. You can develop your your way into having two first round guys. This was essentially what LSU did. So yeah, to make is a long answer to your question. I can't think of 
one, but I also feel like the, 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 one, cha- the only one I could think of times where that happens is very rare. Typically, it, I mean the I mean, the, like, the USC. The, I mean, maybe you maybe want to say Dwayne Jarrett and Steve Smith. Yeah, Dwayne Jarrett and Steve Smith. That was the one I was thinking. Of. Right. And I mean, Steve Smith was better in the NFL than Dwayne Jarrett. And he wasn't the, the number one. Definitely. Uh, yeah. but it but I mean, Steve Smith wasn't like a superstar. No. They both kind of. He's a didn't good player. Really live up to expectations. Yeah, he yeah. was a good player. You know, you know, he might yeah. win Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> the Giants. He was. He was he was, yeah, the, he, was he was in he was in the area. I don't know if he was on those teams, but he was he was in the ballpark of those years. I think I he feel probably, like he might have been in between. Damn, that's like, that's a bad beat. That's I, true. I could be wrong about that, but I feel like I'll I mean, look at you while you talk. Yeah, that's a bad beat if he somehow didn't make it there. But yeah, like that's probably the other. That's probably the one I could think of. Like SC probably had some years like that where they had top guys uh, during. The I'm sure Alabama year. had guys, you know, that were kind of overlapped. But. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, technically, I mean, they had it last year. They had two guys in this, but they played. They they left the same year. What are you talk about rugs and and um and what's the name? Uh, uh, well, I can't remember. Yeah, uh, um, Judy. Yeah, Judy. not and yeah. I mean, yeah, neither one of them really was. Uh, you know, they neither one of them lit the world on fire. Like, no, it's too early. It's too early to tell <laughs> on those guys. But that would be yeah, the, uh, more recent example. I mean, when it comes to these receivers. Like, I mean, I I think to me, the clear conversation to me is with Chase and with Smith. I I think Waddle is an amazing athlete. Um, he's like a one percent kind of athlete. The guys are still. I mean, I, I whoever gets him, they're gonna be really great. But I think the polish and 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 the production from Smith and Chase put them in another class to me. I'm not as concerned about Chase's physical. I mean, excuse me, uh, uh, Smith's physical, whatever they say are limited, they feel like are limitations. Like, you know, does he have super top-end speed? Is he he's, is he too frail? Uh, I mean, the, I don't know. I, I just feel like with wide receivers, I mean, if the guy produced that, like that in college, I think he's going to be fine in the NFL. More of these guys are getting the ball in space now than ever before. Um, the game is just different. You can't just beat the crap out of the receiver at the line of scrimmage the way you could in the past. I think those issues that maybe were real, would have been real issues maybe 10 years ago, or definitely 20, 30 years ago. I just don't know if they're as pertinent now. Um, the only the only thing I would be concerned about maybe is, is are you concerned that he's, he maybe he maybe will get injured? You know, are you in a situation where uh, because of his, his, his frame, he didn't have too many injury issues. He did get hurt in that championship game with a thumb, but uh, he had too many injury issues in, in college, but, you know, could that, uh, you know, manifest of an NFL? Maybe. I mean, that's 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 a real concern, I think. But, uh, but you know, I think you got to hope that, that, you know, again, he's a young kid and that, you know, if you get him the right kind of NFL training and NFL uh, bodybuilding that, you know, he can he won't be 160 in the NFL. You know, I feel he'll probably play something like around 185. And if he can play at that, I think he'll be yeah. great, you know. Um but he, he's he's just too like, he's of, too special to me to think that oh he's a guy that I'm you know he we're we're not we're not drafting in the in like as a, a, the worst number two receiver I think Chase is Chase is probably one for me because Chase 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 is just he's just an animal when the ball is in the air <laughs> you yeah know? Yeah, you know what I'm saying like there's some guys that you just can't teach when the ball is in the air one guy's come down with it who's gonna get it every single time and I, you know me, Kendall. I I always tend to like my receivers 
kind of like Chase, the more physical, the more aggressive, kind of ball hunting type of guys. Because in the NFL, I feel like while I, I think Devontae Smith could be great, because again, guys are playing more in space now. I think at the end of the day, usually like when the games are at its nippest and tuckest, like you need to be able to just throw the ball to a guy and the guy's covered and he gets to figure out a way to catch it, no matter what the situation yeah. is. And the more times you have a guy like that, the better off you'll be able to win the closeout games and things like that. So I think a guy like Chase is special because of that. Like Smith, I mean, Smith, you can't keep him away from getting open. That's a problem. But like the times where you can, I don't think he's a guy I'm just throwing it up to and saying, yo, go get it. Like he's, he's not that yeah. kind of receiver to me. Um, Marvin Harris so wasn't a lot that kind of receiver, but he was still gonna great. You rely on, you know, the scheme that, you, that, you, the scheme that yeah. he's playing in. Yeah, you got to have a real, a real scheme that, that, that's going to get him open and be creative. Like, I don't got to be creative. Steve Sarkeesian, again, is, a, is a, an offensive mastermind. Um, Jamar Chase, is not, that's not going to be necessary. No, yeah. I, I just line him up at like, the X and say, yo, go get the ball. Yeah. It's coming your now, way. Like, like that, that kind of guy, like, I, and Smith had a great year. I, I never, I don't, I don't think I ever really moved off Chase number one for me, as great as Smith was. Like, right. Chase I, is I, a different I feel dude. like that was, that's what's happening. I think the media, you know, got a little ahead of themselves when it came to the Devontae Smith thing based off what happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, having Chelsea winner, you know, he got, yeah, it makes he sense. He's so incredible. But you have to, you have, when you're watching him dominate Notre Dame and you're watching him dominate Ohio State, you have to, you have to ask the question, like, how high is this guy going? Like, can you pass on him? But when you sit back and you think about it and you remember this is what Jamar Chase did last year, it'd be different if Jamar Chase was out there and he also looked kind of shaky. Then, you know, now, you, now you're reminded, all right, you know, maybe this guy uh, might not be as good as Devontae Smith. But the last time we saw Jamar Chase, I mean, he was dominant. And the guys he were playing with, the guys he played with, or one of the guys, Justin Jefferson, was a borderline all-pro last year. And he was... Nowhere near as good as Jamar Chase, so yeah, I you know it, that that to me again it makes this pretty easy. To me though, I think receivers in this draft are being overvalued in general. I think all the pass catchers are being overvalued. Um, overvalued. Yeah, I think they're being wow. overvalued. I, wow. When I hear Kyle Pitts, I know people love Kyle Pitts, you know. So you know, you know, close your close your ears if you love if you're, if you're part of the Kyle Pitts is the best player in the draft bandwagon or fan club there's nothing wrong with Kyle Pitts in general like he's a he's a fine player I think all these guys are but to me I think a guy like Penny Sewell is being um probably disrespected more than anybody in this draft besides maybe Justin Fields when you're talking about a guy that could be an elite left tackle um not only can be an elite left tackle but probably will be like I I would be it was more it would be more surprising if he isn't a high level starter from day one starter for his entire career to kind of left tackle i don't know how that guy has all of a sudden dropped to some people saying he's going outside of the top 10 um you know my era of football growing up you know my whole life all i've known is the left tackle if he's elite should go no lower than two should go no lower than three yeah like that guy is only only guy that goes higher than that guy is a quarterback so I don't know how we got to the position where now we're talking about taking guys like Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. We're talking about taking a tight end, as great as he is, over an elite left tackle. Um, for teams that need linemen, mind you. Like, the Cincinnati Bengals had the worst offensive line in the NFL last year. Couldn't protect Joe Burrow, and it cost them 
it cost him Joe Burrow's knee. Like, yeah. if – I'm not saying he doesn't get hurt if Fanny Sewell's on the team, but you have to start the process of improving that offensive line, and they, they did that a little bit in the offseason, um, but in free agency. But I, I'm doing everything it takes to continue to put guys around him that can help protect Joe Burrow. So I think Fanny Sewell should be in Cincinnati, the Anthony Munoz thing. You know, him being obviously one of the greatest tackles of all time. Um, you know, putting him in Cincinnati, I think it would be a great fit. But if not, if they make the, the the move to go to Jamar Chase, I think Miami, as much as Miami needs skilled players around Tua, they, I feel like from a value perspective, they're also a team with a suspect offensive line. I can't fathom dra- passing on Penezul. When you have yeah. the 18th pick, and we've seen in how many years, recent years, the best receivers aren't even the guy that are drafted at the top of the draft. I know, yeah. It's a complete crapshoot. Or even just like how often, and, and I think we're starting to see some of these mocks reflected, reflect this, that these guys are talking about Waddle, Smith, you know, Chase, I, I think is almost a lock for the top 10. Well, I mean, these guys fall out of the top 10. And like, and then. We're sitting there being like, yo, who's going to take Devontae Smith? You know, like, like that, I, I'm almost happen- I'm almost totally, like, convinced that's going to happen on Thursday. We're, there are mock well, drafts that have yeah. four pass catchers, Pitts, Chase, Waddle, Smith, all in the top ten. There's no way it's going to happen. I Yeah, I find it hard, I find it hard no to believe. It's no, just, I understand. The league, just, the league just doesn't value pass catchers like that. It, especially when you're talking about the depth that you can find them at. Later in the draft, in the in the late first round, in the second round, in day in day two, like a lot of the best receivers from last year were found on day two. The Cincinnati Bengals should know that T. Higgins was really good. They found yeah. him on day two. Like I watched Rashad Bateman at Minnesota. I mean, he was great last year. Again, another guy. You had he probably should have opted out. He wasn't as great this year as he was last year in Minnesota, and the team wasn't as good, but. Yeah. He was a guy last year when Minnesota was really good. Him and Tyler Johnson were the two receivers. And Tyler Johnson he did opt the out. To be fair, he did opt out after five games. But yeah, he had, he opted out and <laughs> came back and opted out again. Yeah. But um, like Rashad Bateman, it was him and Tyler Johnson last year. Tyler Johnson goes to the league this year. Tampa Bay balls out. Yeah. So if you're telling me Tyler Johnson. I mean, he's not a number one, but he was a really good 3-4 for, for Tampa. You put Rashad Bateman in the league, like, he's going to be good. And, I, again, I watched the tape of Rashad Bateman. He looks like he looks like a number one receiver. Like, I, maybe he's not, if not a number one, he looks like at least a number two. So, I don't know why I'm drafting a guy in the top ten when I can get Rashad Bateman. I mean, I really like Rondell Moore out of Purdue. Guy's a, a lightning rod. Like, I just think when you're talking about receivers at this point, you're overdrafting. You're drafting in the top ten, unless the guy you think, unless you think the guy is just a slam, slam dunk. And some people think Jamar Chase is. I one I saw one person who I disagreed with this sentiment. I I disagreed to a, to a degree, only because this wasn't the narrative. But I heard someone say. Jamar Chase is the best receiver, the best receiving prospect since Julio Jones. Now, I know EJ remembers Julio Jones wasn't the best receiver in that draft. No. You know, it was AJ Green. 
You know, yes. I remember me and EJ would have those debates. I liked Julio Jones a little better. I know you liked Green. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, for a while, it was, it was really close up until, you know, Green has kind of aged himself out of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could argue that it was like, oh, those, those guys are both incredible players. Like, you couldn't have gone wrong with either guy in hindsight. Yeah, Green, I think, got really screwed over by just the situation he right. went to. Um, yeah. You know, if he, maybe if he goes to Matt Ryan, you and Kyle Shanahan and those guys, who knows? But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, but I, I, some people feel like Jamar Chase is the number one guy in, since Julio Jones or since A.J. Green, since that draft. You know, I I don't know about that. You know, to me, it's just maybe he is, but it's it's always a question mark, I think, at receiver. You know, and at tight end. I, people think Kyle Pitts is going to come in and be Travis Kelsey. That's never happened. <laughs> so it's that's very, why it, I, I mean, I rookie think, rookie tight ends coming in and thriving. It's one of the just, hardest positions. Yeah, it's it's really it doesn't happen that often. It's one of the right, it's one of the hardest positions to come in the NFL and dominate in day one. How many of these guys we've we seen drafted in recent years? You expect to come in day one and dominate, and they don't. And maybe they never dominate some guys. Yeah, we because we expect them to to be advanced on the offensive line, be able to block in line, and then you also are expecting them to be dominant receivers against tougher competition. It, you know, it, it's it's not an easy position. It's not an easy position to master and get that many snaps on, snaps on or snaps at, I should say. When you're talking about going, I mean, if you're going to a team that doesn't have a tight end, like you'll probably get snaps. But, um, you know, it, it's it's also one of the more, one of the positions where you need to have the highest IQ. And rookies, of course, don't always come in with the with the highest football IQ. Or yeah, the game, the highest yeah, the, level yeah, the game is super advanced. So, um, something like that. So yeah, I mean, again, Kyle Pitts, you know might be the best tight end prospect we've seen in 20 years. So he might break the mold. But if I'm talking about that or a guy who's a generational type left tackle, I'm taking the generational type left tackle. I know he opted out this year. So I think if Penny Sewell plays, he I think he might be the number two pick in the draft. But mm. um, he didn't play. People have questions. Uh, and he drops. Yeah, I mean, I I think Penny Sewell is being undervalued. I do think Kyle Pitts is a is a is a monster though. Like I I am convinced that he is, uh, potentially top ten, top seven or eight worthy. I I think with him, I think I think I think that sometimes also I think these teams who are drafted high tight ends one and I mean clearly the guys haven't been as dominant as we thought they would be, but I think also they haven't had the best plans for them when they when they come in. I think whoever drafts. Uh, Pitts, they gotta have a real plan when he comes in. I think I think what makes me more excited for Pitts than maybe the other tight ends we've seen is I think Pitts is probably the most versatile in regards to being like a pass catcher. Like I feel like he's not a guy I only have to put, you know, at the end of the offensive line. Like like he's I could put him in motion. I could put him out wide. I could put him in the slot. So I feel like the opportunities I have to make him succeed would be much far greater than, and I think that he's like good enough to where like it's not like I'm taking someone off the field that I don't want to take off the field because I'm trying to get Pitts in a certain position. I think he's that good where I'd want to give him these opportunities. So I feel like he's more likely to succeed than someone like uh, an OJ Howard, 
who no one thought you could use him like that. You know, um, yeah. Hawkinson, no one thought you would use him like that. Ebron, no, like these guys are tight ends. You know, like Pitts. Yeah. I think his athleticism is so unique, and his skill set is so unique that he's almost not even tight end. Not even a tight end to me. He's almost just like football player. So like that's <laughs> right. why I'm like more bullish on like okay if there's a guy I'm gonna bet on as a tight end. Uh, the guys that have been drafted recently, this is probably the guy to bet on. If he don't work out, then you often never draft a tight end in the top ten. Because I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there gonna be a lot of a lot of tight ends uh, watching Kyle Pitts' career with being a breath now. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> that's funny. Um, but when it comes to the other pass catchers, Kendall, I mean, is Bateman that next guy for you? What about Elijah Moore? Um is who do you think is that next guy, or do you feel like there is a guy who like so I mean, outside I that, like that, that top four or five that you feel like definitely is also going to be a player? Because as we see every year, it's a guy in the second round or late first round that comes in and just blows everybody away. And like, yo, who's this guy? And like, so it's almost bound to happen. There's going to be somebody yeah. that's you know slotted between five and ten in terms of the top wide receivers that's going to become a, a Pro Bowler. So it's a matter of finding out who it is. I think in part it's become it's be, it's a lot it's, it's a lot to do with those guys also going to situations that help them you know that are more ready made for a receiver to come in and and win or or you know be successful um, you know because if you're talking about a guy like you know Justin Jefferson uh, C D Lamb Chase Claypool T Higgins those were some of the better rookie receivers last year Brandon Ayuk was pretty good those guys. Besides T. Higgins, all went to really good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you include T. Higgins, none of those guys were asked to be the number one receiver. Um, they all played next to another really good guy, another really good receiver. Like Jefferson played with Thielen, Claypool played with Juju, uh, CD played with Cooper and Gallup. Like those guys weren't asked to be the guy. Um, like, and then you look at the guys who didn't succeed or had maybe had struggles. And Judy wasn't terrible. Judy was pretty good. But, um, like, Jalen Rager, like, didn't didn't go to a great situation. Had a messy offense. Then got hurt. To be, Start you know, yeah, got hurt. Played with other guys who weren't that great. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that that's a recipe for disaster for a young receiver. So, a lot of it's about situation, I think, with a lot of these guys. But... Because all these guys are talented for the most part, but yeah, to me the guy that I'm I'm circling, mention Rashad Bateman. I to me he's my number three receiver in this draft, outside of Chase and, and wow. Smith. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, I like him better than Waddle. I also like Rondo Moore slightly better than Waddle as well. Um, Rondo Moore out of Purdue, a guy, you know, I I don't compare anybody to Tyree Hill. I know people have thrown out to Jalen Waddle, Tyree Hill thing. I don't see that at all, uh, personally, but. Um, to me, Jalen Waddle reminds me of Cordero Patterson, uh, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that is what it is. Like, it's not, it's not a knock. Like, Cordero Patterson's a pretty good NFL player. He's not a guy that you're drafting in the top ten, you know. Yeah. But he's a guy. If you get the ball in his hands, can be extremely dangerous. But as a receiver, uh, is limited. So much so that they, the Bears move in the running back, like, because uh, they realize just get the ball in his hands. Um, so, I, I mean, Bateman. And and Rondo Moore are the guys that I, I would look at ahead of Waddle, 
Um, other than that, you know, I'm not as high on Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. To me, kind of gimmicky. Uh, similar to Devontae Smith in that he was just a, a super high-volume guy. Like, they just threw to him all the time. So his numbers are going to be looking very gaudy in terms of the amount of catches and stuff out of the slot. But uh, the traits aren't really there, I don't think, in terms of mm-hmm. size, speed, things of that nature. Um, and also watch out for Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State. Uh, I know he, <laughs> this guy shut it down uh, during the the bowl game against oh, Miami. Yeah, yeah, he let it up against Miami. <laughs> Uh, and then quit at halftime. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was like, I right, had enough. <laughs> but um, and got out. Stopped, they, they got the tape. There's all we need he to saw Derrick King. <laughs> so Derrick King get hurt. He's like, all right, I'm opt out. Yeah. But um, but he he's a he's a, he's a, he's a good he's a really good uh, you know, classic kind of outside receiver. Um, really good jump ball guy. Good athlete. Uh, just. Oklahoma State was kind of shaky last year. Not terrible, but, um, you know, Chuba Hubbard kind of disappointed. So he wasn't really on people's radars as much, but he's a, he's also a really good guy. And also Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, USC, is another guy keep attention to, uh, pay attention to. But, no, I mean, look, this is a really good receiver class. I didn't even mention Gadarius Tony, not as high yeah. on him, but another guy that people love out of Florida. Um, there's a lot of – I mean, there's a lot of guys you can get, which is why I personally wouldn't invest so highly – on a first round, on a high first round pick, especially if I'm a team like Miami that has a second first round pick. Yeah, I don't see why you would draft a wide receiver that high. But unless you think the guy is going to be Calvin Johnson, like if he's going to be Calvin Johnson, he's going to be Julio Jones. Like, yeah, I guess you. I mean, yes, you should draft a guy that high. But it goes. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like Terrace Marshall as I mentioned earlier. I think that um, yes, considering like like like. He was playing behind Chase and, and and Jefferson, and when you saw him get that time to be the number one guy, he saw what he was capable of, like uh, with a bad and, quarterback. Yeah, with with like nothing compared to what the guys played with the year before, like the the perfect scenario he was in. Marshall, I think, is is a he's a serious player, and I, what I like is, you know, this is not. I feel like this is like I don't know if is if I feel like this is the year where we're, this is probably like the least impressive wide receiver class when it comes to like size like like this is not the class you're looking for your where's my six foot three six foot four guy that line up on the outside this ain't the class for you that guy doesn't no. really that guy doesn't really exist but the closest thing to that is probably marshall um because he has those long arms and he's a little bit of a lanky athlete so like I, if i'm gonna find that guy i like that that aspect of him uh, another guy a little bit lower down that I think is is being underrated, and I I, I understand the guy is super tiny, but I think Tutu Atwell also. Uh-oh. Yeah, I know a, I know you were a fan of Tutu Atwell. Yeah, I mean another guy in Miami just could not cover, but the guy is he he, he first of all he's from Miami, so he's he's a guy I've heard about in the city for a long time. Um, you know, played at Miami Northwestern, which anybody knows, uh, super powerhouse. Though he was uh, a quarterback there uh made the change wide receiver and the guy was just a dynamic playmaker for louisville definitely again somewhat of a gimmicky offense in some ways but you want to talk about you know game breaking kind of speed this guy has it you can find a way to give him the ball he's 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 a big play waiting to happen so um size notwithstanding i think that he's a player uh 
uh, to also look at. Those are two guys I, I really like at the wide receiver position. I, I kind of hear you on um, more. I definitely agree. You know, for his side, I probably want someone a little bit more uh, impressive in terms of the dynamic speed and the dynamic playmaking. Uh, and I meant that yeah. by Elijah, Elijah Moore. I meant. Um, I don't right. know what I don't know what to make of Rondo Moore given the injuries he's had. Um, yeah, the injuries are because I mean the freshman the freshman. I mean he was just a, um, just a revelation how he came out. Yeah, you watch the Ohio State dominant. Yeah, yeah. Again, you want to talk about a, you want to talk about dom. Well, that's one of the best receiving performances I think I've seen in the last couple of years that Ohio State came. Oh yeah, had. but like it's like that's really what I keep going to when I think about him as a player, and it's like I don't want to have to go back to what I saw two years ago. Like, like you know, so I, I, I'm I'm a little I'm a little skeptical on on both Moors. That's definitely more skeptical on Elijah Moore. Rondell, love what I saw earlier in his career. The injuries kind of played in the last few years, but um, that's, he it's, came it's, out around four two nine and his pro day. I know the guys. <laughs> you know, he's a free athlete. The guys so. is just is so fast. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, he reminds me of Saquon in that regard. Like, just he does. He built, yeah, he does. Yeah, I agree. Fast, like. You know, as a, as like the receiver version, of course. But yeah, he's those a, guys, those workout warrior guys, typically are good enough to, to stay in the league. Yeah, yeah, because it's uh, yeah, because at the end of the day, it's a very athletic sport. You know, the guys who are big, strongest, fastest are usually the guys that uh, thanks. Jesse, you have a high work ethic. Right. Exactly. Um. Let's move over to the defense. I feel like the defense this draft is not getting nearly as much play as the offense. I don't think that there are what people don't feel like there are as many game-breaking kind of defensive players. And I think that there's a lot of players that may go high this year that I think a lot of people see at risk. Um, I feel like for most people, Patrick Sertan feels like the most, like, like whatever can't miss means in an NFL draft. But I think... For most people, safe. Uh, yeah, yeah, safe. I think that's a, that's the best way to say. It. Like, like driving him in the top ten is not could, probably won't get you fired. Um, is the feeling? And I think everyone else. I think that there's there's a this kind of like um, you know, kind of caution with everyone else. What do you, what? How do you see with these defensive players in this first round in terms of the guys and, and where? You yeah, I mean, look, it's not some, it's not a very strong defensive draft. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, I mean, you look at mock drafts, like, there may not be a defensive player picked in the top 10. It's possible. If Carolina goes tackle, if Denver goes quarterback, like, there may not be a defensive player. And then, uh, who's that, 10? Dallas? Like, Dallas, Dallas could, be the, could be the team. Yeah, but, but Dallas can go offensive line. Yeah, Dallas can go offensive line. Um, you know, I know Jerry Jones has been talking to Kyle Pitts, you know, who knows what they may do, but... Um, mm-hmm. which to me, I mean, I think it'd be crazy. <laughs> Try to call Fitz to Dallas. I mean, like, I know you want to get, I know you want to get Dak. You know, you paid him all this money. You want to give him, you know, another weapon. But like, that's not their problem. <laughs> like, yeah. They have plenty of, they have plenty of holes. Yeah, a lot of holes. Yeah, pass catcher is not it. So yeah, I, I mean, that's one of those. Stephen Jones has to lock Jerry in the yacht. You <laughs> 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 lock him in the yacht, but uh. Yeah, I mean on the on the defensive players, I mean look, cornerback is the is the position that the people are probably highest on. There's the position group on the defense that people are probably highest on. Um, you know, the three guys at the top are Patrick Sertan, uh the second, JC Horn, who's the son of Joe Horn, corner out of 
South Carolina, and then you've got Caleb Farley, who's a kid that didn't even play this year at Virginia Tech. Um, he's had back surgery, uh, a lot of medical red flags behind him, so he may not even be drafted in the first round. But he's a guy that also some may some feel has the most has the highest upside because of the tools, physical tools that he has is higher than or better than the guys like better than guys like J.C. Horn uh, and Patrick Sertan. Sertan is uh, he's an elite technician. You know, he's got every skill uh, that you'd want him. He's coached up by Nick Saban. We know what kind of coach Nick Saban is. And yeah. Sertan's been been an outside corner for them. It feels like since he got to Alabama. So um, Nick Saban has had a high level of trust in a guy like Patrick Sertan. Um, who was a guy coming out of high school that obviously was a top 10 player uh, in the country. And, you know, look, he doesn't have the 4-2 speed that, you know, or 4-3 speed that you maybe want in a corner. Um, he's not uh, the, the the rangiest, like maybe someone like Kayla Fairley. Um, he's not, he doesn't have the bravado of someone like, or the, you know, the grit of someone like J.C. Horn or, Jalen Ramsey, but you know he gets the job done. You know, yeah. but at the same time, Alabama cornerbacks and Alabama players in general, especially on the defensive side, you know, you have question marks. How tough is it to play corner in that system? You know, when you yeah. have everything else going for you on the defense. And there's so, and then we've seen a lot of corners come out of there and get drafted in the first round. They're very hit or miss. Yeah, you know, I mean, the the one that. Obviously, first comes to mind, especially for Jet fans, is D. Milner. D. Milner, right? Who, he like, who just everybody said was just like, uh, let's can't. He was can't yeah. miss. He was a lockdown. Like, there's nothing wrong with D. Milner. All the checks, all the boxes. He gets to the Jets and is mediocre, below beyond mediocre. Yeah, below I mean that that's being gone. <laughs> he was so awful. that is that to me beyond all of the the traits he stuff about Patrick Sertan and the evaluation like. The Alabama resume, and I, you know, you hate to use that, but to me, when you're talking about someone like Nick Saban, who's been there for so long, you're talking about the kind of defensive and secondary coach that he is. That is something that I do, I pay attention to. Um, mm. That I think hurts Patrick Sertan's argument when it comes to the the, the secondary. But um, the other guy that I really want to talk about on defense is Micah Parsons. Um, mm. You know, out of out of out of Penn State. Uh, He's a very interesting player. I mean, look, there's a lot of a lot of character stuff thrown out there. You know, um, they had a situation at Penn State with hazing. You know, James Franklin and, and Penn State and Michael Parsons was kind of at the center of that. You know, and I think some of the character stuff has kind of probably been one of the underlying reasons why he fell or why he started yeah. in the fall. But, uh, I mean, from a talent perspective, like, coming into the season, he was – projected as a guy that was supposed to go in top five based on what he did his first two seasons at Penn State. He opts out, and now all of a sudden you see mock drafts where he's at 20. I, I, I don't know what happened, you know, beyond some stuff off the field. When it comes to on the field, uh, when you're talking about Mark, Michael Parsons, um, he's a guy that coming out of high school was one of those five-star top five player pass rushers on the edge that – Penn State converted into a linebacker. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's probably a little undersized to play defensive end in the NFL, so they probably were smart to do that. He's about 6'3". He's strong, like, but 
he's not he's not Chase Young. Um, he still has a lot of those pass rush instincts. He's an incredible athlete. Ran a according to Penn State at their pro day, ran a four three vibe or something like that. I don't necessarily believe that, but <laughs> that's what they say he ran. <laughs> They'll say Jason Oway pass rusher ran like a four three four. I'm like, why was he playing pass rusher then? Why was he playing edge? But um, regardless, uh, Michael Parsons, incredible athlete, but incredible blitzer. He takes a lot of those instincts that he had as a defensive end, brings them to the linebacker position. But the questions I have with him are in pass coverage. And when we're talking about playing a guy, moving him back on the, de- on the defensive side of the ball, I was taught as a scout that it's a lot easier to move up than it is to move back. Mm. So think about, like, on defense. Think about, like, Isaiah Simmons moving from safety to linebacker. That is something that's doable. Um, You've seen plenty of guys that move from linebacker to defensive end or people that – guys that move from safety to linebacker. It's harder to move back. You can't really take a guy with a linebacker and say, now we're going to play him at safety. Mm -hmm. Or take a guy with a defensive end, now we're going to play him at linebacker. Or defend the tackle, now we're going to play him at linebacker. It's a hard thing to do because you have more things to, to, to follow now. And Michael Parsons, I think, has had to adjust to that aspect. And as a, as a player in coverage, he struggles. And ultimately, that normally I don't think that would be a problem. Because the way he blitzes him, if you watched the Cotton Bowl a couple years ago, Penn State versus Memphis, he was in the backfield at every play. So, yeah. like, Michael Parsons, yeah, he's a wrecking ball when it comes to, like, run, cut, run stopping, pass rushing. He's going to be the best in the draft. And... Like, if you're talking about a defense that can make up for that, like, I think Miami would be great for Michael Parsons because Brian mm. Flores is an excellent defensive coach. They need playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. And he is – and they need they need more pop. They need more athleticism, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. Like, they've I, got I – mean, yeah. they've got a great defense anyway, but a lot of it's scheme, a lot of it – they had a lot of vets, a lot of high IQ guys. But Michael Parsons is going to be a, a – a he's real like a stick, playmaker. Yeah, he's like a stick of dynamite in that already, you know, yeah. solid team. Yeah. So I think Miami would be a great fit. He's not going to be a guy that you have a bad defense and you say plug Michael Parsons in there and now the defenses, their problems are fixed. Like Dallas. Like Dallas can't get Michael Parsons and think that they're all of a sudden going to start stopping teams now. Right. Uh, I actually like Jeremiah Usu Karamoa. Who's a guy from Notre Dame, a linebacker from Notre Dame, who is kind of the opposite of Micah Parsons in that he's more like a safety. He's an excellent coverage linebacker. Yeah. Uh, not the physical specimen that Micah Parsons is. Not going to hit as hard as Micah Parsons. Um, but what I love about Karamoa, Wusu uh, Karamoa, is that in today's NFL, you need to ha- you need to have linebackers that can cover like safeties you need to have guys look at what tampa was able to do with devin white and levante david having linebackers that can cover at a high level and can they can run with other teams receivers and they can make plays at the second and third level it's great to have a great linebacker it's great to have a great pass rusher at linebacker there's nothing wrong with that but um in today's nfl i just think guy like michael parsons might get picked apart uh, as a yeah. as a, as a I ain't covered. So that, that that's where I'm at with Michael Parsons in in the linebacker conversation. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, I think um, 
I think about the same thing with Parsons because we've seen uh, in the NFL, we saw last year how dynamic the Buccaneers' defense was, particularly when it came to the playoffs because of how great their linebackers were in coverage. Like The days of you not caring about uh, how a linebacker is in coverage like are just over. Like, yeah. like, if he can't cover, he can't play. Like, you know, like, it, it's really that simple. So those are, I think, legitimate questions about Par- Parsons. It's funny. Shout out to Rob DeRay, and I'm hoping we'll have him next week. But uh, he actually, he, 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 he shared with me a, a conversation we had on Facebook um, where I was making the case for Luke Because um, I remember he, I was very, very high on Luke Keekly. He was not. And one of the things I, I, I kept mentioning was, like, Keekly in coverage is special, which we, as we saw, yeah, he he was, and the, and the thing was like you know the thing about Keekly was like yeah, but is he like your like two down or goal line thumper? And right, I was like man, I don't care. He gets the guy on the ground when he when he's got his hands on him. Like I don't, right. I don't care if he's not crushing people. So you know that's going to be a question with with Parsons, where you know Parsons, yeah, he's a monster in the in the box, but um. He, he is kind of raw because he did change positions, and when it comes to the more uh, the the more advanced aspects of playing linebacker, and a lot of that has to do with how you are in coverage. Can he stay up to snuff? And that's that's that's, that's, a, that's a question we need to answer. And we don't know. We didn't see him play last year, so and that's again, the thing. This, You're talking about this guy is, this is, this is mystery where he we don't play. know what 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 he would have been like if we saw him this year. He's only played the position for two years. Like he needed more seasoning, yeah. and he didn't. Yeah, exactly. Play. Yeah. So that that doesn't. I mean, like, look, what you saw on tape, what you saw on tape, and he was very good. But there are some people that would argue he probably would have been much better. And you could say, look, he sat out. You know, he had more time to develop or learn. But I think the development would have been his development would have been helped by playing at Penn State. Um, now, look, I don't. I don't blame any of these guys for sitting out. <laughs> they probably should have. Yeah. Uh, they weren't hurt by sitting out if they're still going to be first-round picks. But um, if you're talking development, uh, playing would have been probably a better idea for someone like him. Like, Jamar Chase didn't have to play. Penny Sewell didn't have to play. Guy, to me, like guys like Gregory Rousseau at Miami, Micah Parsons probably should have. I know it, it's enticing when you you see yourself in, in yeah. mock drafts, you see yourself going in top five, then why do I got to play? I now you felt... see like, nice you guys fall, and you know. <laughs> yeah, and I was talking about Greg Rousseau maybe going second round. Like it's funny, I almost feel like it's like I feel like if there was a situation in like college basketball, for example, like I don't think that this would hurt you nearly as much as it does in football. I think yeah. I just something something about football where it's like. There's so much. I think there's it's crazy. I think there's so much more projection in football than there really even is in basketball. I feel like the game is. The, I think the, the the leap in terms of how good the game is from college to, to the pros is. I think as crazy as it sounds, I think it may be a little steeper. Is much. I think it's higher in the NFL. Like, so yeah, you what you're that. what you're able to get away with in college, but based off just your physical attributes, you just can't get away with in the NFL. Everybody is big and fast. So yeah. when you see these guys and they have these deficiencies and you're like, wow. But, like, you're assuming when you make a mock draft in August that they would have worked on this by when we see them this year, they're going to be studs because they were studs the year before and they've seen improvement. Um, but as we see in football all the time, how many guys we talk about already in this 
preview show where we're talking about guys who were great freshmen but had down years. We didn't see him this year. He got hurt. Is is injuries? Are injuries not concerned about his career? Yeah. Like, uh, we were talking about probably that we weren't talking about last year. Yeah. Who now all of a sudden guys? Who yeah, like Terrence Marshall. Yeah, <laughs> Terrence Marshall. Like guys, we were like, ah, you know, second day two guy, day three guy that now might go in the first round. Mac yeah, Jones, Jalen Phillips. Like, I know yeah. he's a quarterback, but like Mac Jones, we, I, some people think he would start last year, and now yeah. all of a sudden he's a top three pick. So yeah, there's so much development that goes that goes into you guys playing college football, and I think a lot of it also because it's a three year sport, whereas in college basketball, like you know, in the NBA, like you know, live that now one and done. What can you really learn in one year, anyway? Um, so like, we, but when you're talking about these guys' develop development over three years, and you only had two of them, and some of these guys had that extra third year. Yeah. Now it's just depends on look. What kind of shape are you? In, you know, and Gregory Rousseau, I know he's your guy, but pro day, you struggle. You know, um, I don't know if that was just his natural athleticism. Not as impressive as Jalen Phillips I, on the tape. It does. It looks just as impressive, not more. But then yeah. the, the the combine numbers or the pro day numbers weren't as good. So um, the edge the the edge conversation in this draft is probably the the position. It's it's why there might not be any top ten players on the defense side of the ball because typically uh. those guys would be on the edge, and there isn't any guy that is deserving of that in this draft. The one guy, in my opinion, on tape that could be is Jalen Phillips, but he's not. He has injury flags that keep him from being in that conversation. Yeah, um, he had a serious wrist injury that ended up him dropping out of school in USC and it had concussion issues. So those yeah, are obviously yeah. very big concerns. And, I mean... Everything I saw from him at Miami, uh, I know you watched every game. I watched every game. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he was pretty, pretty dominant. Um, you know, he's not, he's not your, he's not gonna be a twenty sack guy, but um, he seems to have every physical tool that you need to be a starting defensive end at the NFL level. Um, but there, I mean, Quiddy Pay at Michigan is a is 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 an excellent athlete. Um, wasn't a super high production guy in terms of the sacks, but has the physical tools to be that kind of guy if you coach him up. Um, you know, I, and a lot of people like uh, Aziz Ojolari from from Georgia. Uh, I mean, look, if you're talking about guys in the SEC, um, he certainly was the best pass rusher in the SEC. Uh, was a down year for the conference, so, none, so yeah. you, know, you don't want. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, in a normal year, that means you're a guy that's going in the top 15. Uh, for him, he seems like he's a guy that's going to go more close to the late first round. But um, it, to me, look, it's a good. It's not a. It's not that this is a bad edge class. It, the problem to me is that there's just no guy at the top. There's just no Chase Young that is the cherry on top of what is. I think it's a pretty good class. It's just there's a lot of guys in that second tier. A lot of guys mm-hmm. you could draft between 25 and 15, and they can go in any order. Some, I know you're a big fan of Gregory Rousseau, like some think he's the best guy, might go to the Vikings at 14. Some think Jalen Phillips is the best guy, might go to the Vikings at 14. Some think Quiddy Pay 
I heard the Eagles apparently really like what he pay, according to reports. So, I know Eagles fans didn't want to hear that, but I mean that, yeah. that's that's what's put out there. Um, yeah. You know, the 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 for the, the Cowboys really like Quiddy Pay, you know, or and there that's a team that's been mocked to take a guy like Quiddy Pay. So, yeah, I mean this is going to be a uh, uh, an interesting draft in that regard because um, any one of these guys could go in any different order. There's so many guys I just didn't even mention that could go higher than some of the guys they did. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I feel like Rousseau is in some ways getting a little bit of a bad rap. Um, I don't think that enough is being cons- I don't think he's getting enough credit for just how dominant he was when he played. Like, I think there are a lot of people. I think they're re- really zeroing in on like some of his like warts as a player, and everybody has him. Um, and I think they, <laughs> I think he's getting a little out of control. I mean, you know, Kitty Pay had two sacks last year. Uh, as a senior, and Rousseau had 15 as a sophomore, and we're talking about him going now maybe second round. And, he yeah. didn't, and Rousseau didn't even start every game at Miami. He was like a, a part-time starter, basically. Right. I, I, I don't understand that. I, I You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't understand. I'm not saying he's a perfect player. I'm not saying that. Um, I think I, I think that in hindsight, he, he probably should have played. Um, I think if he, he was going to be a, a second-round pick, he definitely would have came back. But I didn't, there were very few people who I watched of all 2019 who can get to the who could just simply just get to the quarterback anytime he wanted to, the way Rousseau could, and the fact that there are guys who weren't as good as him last year or this year that not being said well they're going to draft him because we didn't see Rousseau, I don't that doesn't compute for me. I don't understand that. Like I think that. I, I, I get, you know, okay, do you want him to see him run more than better than a four six seven? I don't think a four six seven is that bad when the guy's, you know, what is he, six five six four, you know, two six two forty, two sixty. Like, I mean yeah. that's still pretty fast. It's not Jalen Phillips, but Jalen Phillips is, you know, a one of one type of athlete. Like I don't know if I could really compare anybody to Jalen Phillips respecting to run that yeah. time with his so, yeah, size, so what, six six, I think. Yeah. Maybe about six six seven. Yeah, I mean, guys, he's a giant. Yeah. <laughs> so and he, and he ran four six seven. I mean, that's not that bad, you know. And we're saying yeah, he might have been. It's so crazy how we know, he might have been a lot of shape. I'm like, I mean, okay, <laughs> like. Yeah, we've been so warped by like just like some of these guys just being freak athletes that now like yeah, back we're in some, day, yeah, we're seeing guys that are running four fours. We're saying that guy is is a is a is a, is a, is a great athlete. Yeah. If you're if you're, a, if you're a four if you're a defensive end running a four six. There were receivers that used to run a four six that would get drafted in the second round, <laughs> like so. Yeah, I, I mean, I you know, it, it's tough. Yeah, again, I look. I think that I'll be honest. I think some of these teams, some of these pro days, I don't trust a lot of these numbers. Now, I'm not saying Miami clearly wouldn't cook the books for <laughs> for Rousseau to run a four six, um, and Phillips to run a four five. But like Penn State, I, I I'll be honest. I think they were cooking the books when they said Oa and Parsons ran a four three. Like, I just, I don't know if those guys are running those numbers at the combine. Right. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't take that. And I know, but then, it, it, like, how do you, what do you, what do you say? I mean, I'm sure with some of the scouts had actual hand, you know, they had hand time, they had stopwatches for themselves. Maybe they did run a 4-3, but I feel differently about it if that was at the combine. If that was at the combine and a guy like Jason Oley ran a 4-3-4 four, four, or whatever they said he ran, and Greg Rousseau ran a 4-6-7, I mean, <laughs> It's something to think about, but 
I also don't want to go crazy about a defensive end 40 time. You know, Tristan Wirfs, I like Tristan Wirfs. I liked him last year. But it was like the Tristan, and he was good. He was very good last year. But it was like the Tristan Wirfs conversation. Or Bruce Campbell. Remember Bruce Campbell? <laughs> right. Uh, from, from the Raiders, he ran like a 4-5 at left tackle. People were losing their minds. I don't think it was four. I think it was like a four seven. But people were losing their minds because he was a left tackle running a four seven, and he stunk. The Raiders went and drafted him in like the second round, and he couldn't play. Lo and behold, left tackles aren't like their forty time doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, I it, that that to me, I mean, isn't something I'll take into consideration. It, it is just like what is what kind of shape was he in? He's been out all this time. You know, is he a normally a four or six guy? Is he normally a four or five guy that showed up and ran a four or six? I would be more concerned about that. Um, if four or six is his normal play speed or time, normal time, then no concern, no concern, no issues. Yeah, I I, I, I get that. Um, I do feel like uh, I think it's like I mean, to me. I think I think him and Jalen are the best guys. I know I'm, I'm biased because I'm Miami. Uh, I think Ujulari is right there too. Those are probably my top three guys. Um, but I, I think I think the reason why Phillips is so enticing is because of just his ability again to play in the run game. You know, like like yeah. you have a guy who's a legit threat as an edge rusher, but also holds his own more than holds his own in the running game. I mean, he's a, he's dominant <laughs> in the run game. Um, I think that aspect of him makes him. Like potentially special, and you know Rousseau really isn't gonna help you in the run game. I don't really see Ujulari as someone who's like gonna be a dominant nah. guy in the run game. Those guys are you know pin your ears back kind of rushers. Could so he pay Mike? But what kind of could he pay Mike? Yeah, right. But then this question, yeah, the question is: Is he a true get up field sack guy? And I just don't want to have that question about a guy I'm drafting the first round as a defensive end. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And not, the top 15. Yeah, and I'm not talking about a three four like you know, you know, you know, three technique, three four defensive. I'm talking about a guy yeah. on the edge. Like I, I don't want to have and, that. And also like if if a lot of it also for that is also dependent on who's your other pass rush. Because yeah. like look, if I'm if I'm a team like the like the Vikings, a guy like Jalen Phillips or Quiddy Pay who may not be a twenty sack guy, I got Daniel Hunter, who might yeah. be that. Oh, I mean, I'd be as concerned. I mean, say, look, the other side of the, of the line. It's great to have three guys that could be like that, but if not, I'll take you know a guy who's a elite run stuffer uh, or high level run stuffer, if not elite. Um, but if you're a team that doesn't have that kind of guy, uh, you may not, you may not uh, want a guy who you may not be drafting a guy in the first round who can't give you that. Um, real quick, what do you what do you think about Najee Harris and Travis Etienne? Obviously, the running back position mm-hmm. has been so devalued in today's NFL. Um, in years past, those guys would have been lottery picks, quote unquote, top fifteen, yeah. top fourteen type of guy. Najee Harris checks every box that you'd want for a running back, besides maybe the top end speed. In fact, yeah. I think him staying at Alabama as long as he did. It's probably hurting him. I think they're now that it's really becoming to the conversation. Oh, he's taking too many hits. You know, I know he had too much mileage on him. And that's that's really messed up because it's not something we used to think about. Maybe we should have. I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, and how now many you're, work, you're, how many of these work and I think it's funny because how many of these workhorse backs we've seen come into the NFL and sometimes it almost like they can't even get out of the blocks. You know? Yeah. Like uh like uh Richardson, you know, Trent Richardson. Yeah, Trent Richardson had those struggles. Yeah. Um It's I think people, because of Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry, I think people are, that's going to help a guy like Definitely. Najee Harris. You know, it kind of wiped away the stigma that the Alabama running back. I mean, Mark Ingram was good, but he wasn't really like, he wasn't a superstar. Um, kind of wiped away the stigma that you can't really, they don't produce out a superstar running backs um, under Nick Saban. But uh, to me, I, I mean, look, I love Najee Harris. You know, I. I do too. I think when you're talking about a guy with his skills like his his, his his ability as a runner his ability as a receiver um his size he reminds me of Le- Le'Veon Bell um mm-hmm. which if you're getting Le'Veon Bell I'd be hard-pressed not taking him in the first round I think Harris will go in the first round I know a lot of people are high on a guy like uh Javante Williams out of North Carolina um because of the opposite of Najee Harris like he Kind of more of a late bloomer. Shared time at North Carolina last year with Michael Carter, uh, who's also in this draft. Who I mean, look, I love Michael Carter. You know, I I could do I could do I ten wish, minutes. I, I wish I could say I love Michael Carter, but I can't considering what he did to the <laughs> Hurricanes in the last game of the season. What yeah, man, that, the, the Michael Carter North Carolina tape is crazy. I mean, Javante Williams did a lot against. Yeah, uh, yeah they both they both, <laughs> both, both, they, they, both ran, ran, they both ran for two hundred yards. Yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, like that, that alone is getting both these guys. Like they made that made that that tape alone made both those guys a ton of money. Yeah, they became um, millionaires instantly because of that. Because <laughs> of that pick, like guaranteed the millionaires, guaranteed the millionaires. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, like Javante Williams doesn't have the the elite traits. I know he's he's he, a lot of people say Marshawn Lynch. You know, because he's a he's a he's a real power back. He's a bowling ball kind of guy. Bounces guys, bounce off him. I just don't know if that's working in the NFL. And he right. did for Marshawn Lynch, but I feel like Marshawn Lynch is a special kind of running back. I mean, like, and even he, it kind of took a little while for him to really, really get going. Um, Michael Carter, to me, because of his speed, uh, he's very small, obviously, but he reminds me of Devontae Freeman, like really good running back, tough, physical, but also extremely fast. Good in the open field. Uh, I mean, I think it's a pretty good running back class in general. I am just not high on ETN at all. That's 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 the that's the big uh, maybe take. Yeah, I'll know. be honest. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not convinced about ETN either. He just seems kind of raw to me. I don't know. He seems like an athlete. like an athlete, which yeah, running back athletic position. But at the NFL at, level, like as crazy as it sounds, I don't. I'm not convinced ETN was coached great. And that sound I, I I don't I mean it's, it, I guess it is a knocking Clemson. I don't mean it to be per se, but for someone who is so much older and so advanced, you would think he'd be more polished. That's a good like, point. You know, yeah. like 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 he he yeah. catches like he has a lot of catches, but like a lot of it's just them giving him the ball, and it's not as much him doing any like advanced route running. And he does, his hands aren't even the greatest. I guess he even drop balls. Um, and he's know, not, he, he doesn't set up, he doesn't set up blocks as well. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, he, he doesn't like, give you nothing in pass protection. Yeah. He's, he's a like, terrible blocker. Yeah. Like that, that 
Because I've seen people say, oh, he, he offered you the most value in the passing game. And, like, on one half of the passing game. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> like, that, 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 that's, that's – or people say he'll be great on third down. Like, he'll be great on third down if he's running on a route. <laughs> he's not going to be great on third down if you need him to block. And that's a major part of, of the running back position. Like, I've seen Najee Harris do that. Like, my, yeah. Najee Harris will get down and he'll he'll blow a guy up, you know, and that is being a complete running back. You know, and Travis Etienne doesn't have that ability. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, as dynamic as he was last year, you watch the Chiefs, late in games, they take him out. If they, <laughs> because if they realize, oh, we're down or we need we need to start throwing the football, they take, they take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out because they know he can't block. They, they yeah. had Damian Williams out there. Who's not nearly as talented as Clyde Edwards Elaire, not nearly as uh explosive, but he could block Mahomes. He could block for Mahomes. And that's a that's a big that's a big factor when you're talking about drafting a running back that high. Um Edwards Elaire wasn't a bad pick. Uh Etienne, I don't know if he's gonna get, I don't know if he's gonna be as good as Edwards Elaire was at the other stuff. That's gonna be the it's gonna be the determining factor for him. Uh, because if you don't offer a lot of, if you don't offer a lot of value as a pass blocker, you know I think Alvin Kamara has been the the, the name that's been thrown out there as the best case scenario for a guy like Travis Etienne, um, and that's fair. But to me, Kamara is is more special as a runner uh, and pass catcher. But I agree with that. That's just me. Yeah, no, I agree. I think. I've seen the Jets being thrown out there for ETN. I've seen the, the Jaguars being thrown out there, the Dolphin being thrown out. A lot of these teams that have multiple first round picks. I think people say, no, now we can use a second on a running back. If I'm the Jets, I'm not using it on a track ETN. Mm. I hear you on that. I know. I think that is tantalizing because of the production. Um, and, you know, household name and Jets running back position, it's just the running room, back room is just a nightmare. So. <laughs> I, I I get I get why, um, why he, he he's being talked about, but I don't know. I you know I I think maybe it might be worth waiting that second round and seeing you know if Durante Williams or Carter are still there. Like I don't, I just don't know if those guys are that far off from ETN. Like I, I, yeah, I, I, I like agree. ETN ETN I guess for me, you know he has a special home run threat. He does. You know? Yeah. That's the aspect that. Maybe with Williams and Carter, you're not gonna get where it's like, okay, he, he may have some issues, but man, he, he gets he gets daylight, he lights out, you know, and yeah, I mean, you know, it, whether it be not just in the running game, but even in the return game, we've seen, you know, I don't know how much you want to use in the return game as a if he's your RB one, <laughs> but that is yeah. something that he's capable of. So, you know, maybe that's what you consider, especially for the New York Jets, a team that is doesn't have that hasn't had the most. Uh, the, it hasn't had the greatest success with getting some true game breakers on their offense. Um, so I don't know. I think that that's something to talk about. What in terms of teams, Kendall, are the teams that you look at in this draft? Um, or I, I, let me do this. I'd say, do you feel like there's a, is there a player team fit that you see in the first round that you think that you really feel like should happen and you're hoping to see happen um, on Thursday? Uh. I would probably say Justin Fields and the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, a player team fit that I think would be really good. Um, 
I've talked I've talked a lot about I mean look I talked about the I already talked about the Sewell you know whether it's Miami or whether it's Cincinnati whatever team gets Penny Sewell is going to be a great fit for Penny Sewell uh, a great fit for that team um, I I feel like you know look I mean I mentioned I think a team like uh, I'll say I'll say a team like the Raiders we haven't mentioned the Raiders at all mm-hmm on this podcast. Um, I, I, I personally think they need another, another guy on defense. Uh, and I mentioned Jeremiah, Usu Koromoa. Um, I think they've got the, I feel like they have the edge, the edge or the guys on the defensive line. Um, they've tried, they've tried to beef up their secondary. Some, 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 some of the picks have been better than others. Some of the, uh, the 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 acquisition has been better than others, but uh, second level of defense I think has been kind of weak in Oakland. Um, and getting a guy like Lucy Caramoa uh, would be would be really good. Uh, another dark horse one. This is going to be. This isn't one that I think is going to be like. I don't know if it's likely. Um, and I don't know if it's not something that their dividends won't be paid next year. Uh, mm-hmm. with this pick, but I think a, a real dark horse quarterback in this draft that no one's talking about, I don't know why they're no talking about him, uh, is Kyle Trask. Um, and I feel like Kyle he's also Trask, become, he's also become very polarizing. I think to a lot of people. Yeah. Like it, he's almost become like so polarizing that he's not because people just don't like him. Like, yeah. you know, it's, he's been such a punching bag that like, it's, it's almost to the point where it's like, don't even talk about it. That guy, that bum, Trask. <laughs> right. I mean, and I get it. Like he, he played terrible at the end. Oh, he played terrible in that bowl game uh, against uh, Oklahoma. Like he was awful through like three picks in like the first quarter. Like I mean, couldn't have played worse. Um, and so I understand. Like, look, had he played excellent in that bowl game, he's probably in the conversation with Jones, Mac Jones, and Trey Lance. Not with the 49ers, but just in general, as like the fourth or fifth quarterback in the draft. Um, and I guess you could throw Justin Fields in that conversation now as well. Like, he's in that tier. But he didn't play as well. He, I mean, he played awful. And now people kind of wrote him off like, oh, yeah, don't pay attention to that guy. When, look, Kyle Pitts didn't play. Kadarius Tony didn't play. A lot of his out receivers didn't play. Uh, and he claimed he was playing with an injury, which I, I tend to believe these guys uh, on some level when they say that. So, to me, Kyle Trask, if you're talking about a team that needs a quarterback late first round, doesn't need a quarterback, but this team doesn't need anything. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Florida, Tom Brady, Kyle Trask reminds me a lot of Carson Wentz. Mm. Carson Wentz without the athleticism. Um, he has none of the athletic, you know, movement ability of a guy like Carson Wentz, but um, just as a passer, he reminds me a lot of Carson Wentz. Uh, and physical, similar physical profile in terms of the size. And a lot of similar deficiencies, similar strengths, similar weaknesses outside of the athleticism. Uh, almost like a post-injury Carson Wentz, uh, who obviously I saw a lot of Carson Wentz up close. Uh, and that's, not, that's like not somebody I wouldn't draft in the first round. I mean, yeah. like if I needed a quarterback, I would have no problem having that guy as a developmental guy. Uh, so if you're a team like Tampa, where you don't know how long Brady's going to be there, right now Blaine Gabbard is the backup. And I think... 
Brady is loves having a guy Blaine Gabbert as the backup because he offers him no uh, no pushback. Um, and that's fine. I don't personally. I mean, I hope Brady wouldn't be worried about Kyle Trask <laughs> as his backup. Uh, I know he was a little worried about the Garoppolo thing for a little bit, uh, but I think that's the perfect guy to, for Brady to help kind of mentor. And mm-hmm. in a couple of years, I think Kyle Trask has the, has the talent level to be an NFL quarterback. Um, I don't know if he'll ever be a franchise quarterback, but to me, him and Mac Jones is splitting hairs. Like, I think it's really splitting hairs in terms of which guy is better. And so if I if you're telling me I can get that guy at 32, I would be... I would I would really seriously consider if, if I'm seeing Tampa if I really don't feel like I have any glaring holes taking a guy like Kyle Trask. But ultimately, if I'm any team in the league, I'm considering any team that doesn't really need a quarterback or that that needs a quarterback. I'm doing whatever it takes to try and get Justin Fields. So that goes back to the Fields thing that we mentioned in the beginning. But I just had to throw that in there. Again. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get that with um. Yeah, I get that. I think for me, uh, so here's a, here's a couple. I think that um, I think Devontae Smith for the Giants, I, I, you know, if he could get to 11, um, not impossible, but you never know. They, they they so desperately need a true number one. And I, I don't know if Smith's going to be there. It's like mock drafts are hit or miss with whether or not he – Mains in the top ten, but they they need they need to get they need they need to get a number one wide receiver. So if they can get Devontae Smith and uh, to put together with you know give somebody the Dan, Daniel Jones, I think that that would be something that would be obviously uh, electric potentially in New York City. Um, I I feel like another guy that I'd like to see we haven't talked about much. We really didn't talk about the interior guys. But how about someone like uh uh. Uh, Barmore, Christian Barmore from Alabama, and a place like Pittsburgh. I know we've talked a lot about the need for offensive help with the line and the running back, but I just think about all the interior players that have played in that three four defense for uh first Bill Cower and then uh, Mike Tomlin. What if like a guy like Barmore who is just just a monster? <laughs> He's one of my favorite yeah. players in the draft. What if he ended up in Pittsburgh and they they continued to kind of round up that defense if they didn't feel like a true difference maker on the offensive side was there for them. And it's so tough because, like, there are a lot of box that have a team like Pittsburgh take. There's a lot of teams right now. Because, I mean, running back, it's so funny because running back is such a – because it's not an important position, there are a lot of teams that need or could use a great running back. Um, And there's a lot of guys who are probably worthy of first-round picks uh, in this draft at the running back position. So a lot of mock drafts have a lot of different teams drafting running backs. Like the Jets, like I mentioned, uh, and yeah. it's, a team like Pittsburgh is also one of them. And, but I could also see them not drafting running back because it's not an important position. Yeah. So I just like, I just like, I just like a guy like Barmore, and I see you know Cameron Hayward is thirty one years old, Stephen Tuitt, um, you know, also getting up there in age. He's not old per se. He had a great season, but maybe I want to put maybe if I feel like Hayward maybe getting long in the tooth, maybe I want to get someone in there. And even just to get those guys, keep those guys fresh, even, you know? Um, yeah. You know, maybe it's not necessarily about, you know, Barmer coming in and starting. But, uh, you know, so many teams rotate guys in any way. It just, you know, I, I just think about all those those dominant 3-4 linemen that have played for the Steelers. And to it has certainly 
you know, lived up to the billing. And I love when they drafted him years ago. Uh, he was a great player in Notre Dame. But uh, I wonder if you you got that, you added Barmore to that mix, so what would that look like? I see uh, yeah. Pro Football Football uh, Focus has him going to the Raiders, which I also think would be a good fit. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I could definitely see them getting some guys on the interior. They've got some yeah. good pass rushers. But yeah. um, that's definitely a spot that they could they can improve. Um, I really like the Devontae Smith to the Giants thing. I mean, I, I think – yeah, I think he's a guy that he's a true number one. Um, I think when he gets to the league, he's going to be a number one receiver from day one. He's going to command a lot of defensive help. Uh, he's going to command a lot of targets. And with Saquon coming back and Devontae Smith on the team, like now you're going to see what, Jay, what Daniel Jones has. Uh, you can draft Waddle. Like, I mean, you can draft yeah. him, but I don't know. I don't know how much that's helping Daniel Jones. Yeah, and they might, and they might, draft, and they might draft Waddle if 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 uh, if Smith is like there, Waddle might be the guy for them. Like I, I think that there's yeah. a, there's a high chance they might draft. They're going to go receiver, I think. Yeah, and, they, and got, like, uh, they got Galladay, but they still you. I feel I still like I don't know if Galladay is a true number one either. So you know, it's kind of like the Miami situation. Miami with Devontae Parker. Like, hey, you got Devontae Parker. You like you can probably get by. At the receiver position, but if you're really trying to get your quarterback yeah. some help, some high end help, then you gotta you gotta take. Yeah. The I think Galladay has a potential to be a number one, but like they, he needs another guy. Like they don't have it on the roster right now. Yeah. So um, another, you know, you know, you know, I talked, I talked about him a lot on this podcast, but I also say my guy Terrace Marshall to the Ravens at 31. Um, the Ravens, Ravens are team man if you're wondering Ravens what bad they badly need a guy on the outside they badly need. i i'm hoping you know look i already said i'm high on rashad bateman if he ends up in baltimore it's a wrap i don't know if he's gonna follow the baltimore right but they also, also have, I, don't, I don't know if he's gonna go that far that's why I, that's why i'm not thinking about bateman there but but yeah yeah to even terrence marshall to baltimore um he's like the opposite of hollywood brown so yes because that, that's that's, that's like the weird thing about this draft. That's why I think Bateman and Marshall probably made most sense with Baltimore. I feel like a lot of the other guys are kind of similar to the little guys they got. Yeah, you know? Duvernay, uh, Brown, a lot of those guys, yeah. quick, speedy guys, um, but aren't probably probably aren't true outside receivers or true one on one kind of guys. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of and their offense has been kind of gimmicky. You know, I mean, Greg Roman, yeah. you know, they didn't exactly uh, inspire a lot of inspire a lot of Ravens fans with his play calling last year. Um, it was a lot. It was very vanilla, very gimmicky. Um, but they they need they need just conventional receivers, like go to guys. Uh, they don't have that right now. I mean, I wonder if they're gonna trade up for a guy. Uh, if Smith starts falling. Chase isn't gonna fall, but if Smith starts falling, which is possible, could could the Ravens be a team that tries to move up to try and get him? Um, I know the Packers are another team that people have been looking at uh, at the receiver position as well. I mean, this is gonna be an interesting draft just because of all of the the offensive, all the offensive guys that are going in the first round. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be excellent TV. Yeah, you know, it's gonna be excellent. It's gonna, be ex- it's gonna be it's gonna be excellent just to see how all these first round guys that are gonna be wide receivers that are gonna be going 
uh, or running backs or quarterbacks. Um, I don't know what the record is for offensive player draft in the first round, but um, I wonder if this will break it. Yeah, I was just. My, I guess the last thing on this, I was, I was. That's what I was thinking about actually. Was like last year, I felt like we got a staring contest amongst NFL teams in the first round last year. It was like, who is going to have the patience to wait for the to start taking these offensive guys? And I, I get the feeling that that's not going to happen this year. I don't even know if the offensive guys this year are better per se. I just think that last year's defensive class was also pretty stout compared to the offensive class that people were more comfortable going defense and going other positions outside of skill positions until later. And then we had that barrage of second-round wide receivers that happened. Um, it's going to be interesting, given that this talent pool of defensive players isn't as stout, like, will that staring contest happen, or will people be like, no, I'm getting my guy at 14. I'm getting my guy at 12. Like, I'm not messing around. Like, I don't know if you can mess around this year. Like, you might be stuck drafting your, you know, a guard – because, you know, the guy yeah. that you thought you would be there in the second round isn't there. Like, you know, and no, no disrespect to the guards. But, but you know, it might be a difference maker, uh, playmaker that you're not going to be able to grab. Because maybe last year, you know, I'll get that guy in the second round. Maybe those guys won't be there as much in the second round this year. That, I think, may end up being one of the big storylines in this draft uh, Thursday. Any last thoughts before we get out of here, Kendall? Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just look again. I, I, I'm hoping that the Vikings. Let, let's talk about our teams real quick. Yeah, um, let's do it. Yeah, I'm a Vikings fan. Obviously, you're a Jet fan. Yep. Uh, when it comes to the Vikings, man, like when it, tell the people the Vikings are picking. By the way, so they. 14. Yeah, Vikings drafting at 14 right now. Uh, probably should have been lower, but we won a couple of games at the end. Two. Probably should have won. Yeah. Messing around. Now we're drafting 14. Um, all signs point to we're going to draft an offensive lineman or a, or an or an edge rusher. Um, we're probably one of the first teams that's going to really seriously look at an edge rusher. Uh, so you might find yourself getting the best guy on your board at that position, whether it be a lineman that's not named Sewell or Slater, Rayshon Slater, um, or whether it be an edge rusher. Uh, so that's cool, but. Ultimately, like, if just Justin Fields really does start falling outside of the top five, if I'm Rick Spielman, like, I don't care what it takes to, <laughs> you know, as long as it's not anything crazy. Like, they don't have a second-round pick. I'm doing whatever it takes to get Justin Fields. And there is been there has been some stuff out there to suggest that the Vikings could be in the quarterback market this draft. Rick Spielman has been at every every quarterback's pro day. Outside of Trevor Lawrence, he's been he was at Zach Wilson's pro day, he was at Ohio State's pro day with Justin Fields, he was at Trey Lance. Obviously, Trey Lance, you know North Dakota, he's right there. I'm sure, <laughs> probably you probably probably drove to the, the, the Trevor uh, to Trey Lance's uh, pro day. Um, and Ohio State's Ohio State, but at the same time, uh, you know it seemed like he was watching very closely. There's a lot of pictures of him just watching Zach Wilson or watching Justin Fields, kind of funny, but. Um, that considering that, and the last time that um, Rick Spielman has followed and been to every quarterback's pro day was the year they drafted uh, Teddy Bridgewater, um, when Manziel Bridgewater were in that conversation, and the Vikings needed a quarterback. He hasn't done he hasn't done that. Like when people thought, oh, they may draft, you know, someone like Drew Locke or someone like, you know, 
uh, Haskins or someone in that draft, he wasn't. He didn't go to any of the. He was. He wasn't. Didn't care. We're not. We're not looking for a quarterback. I think at the time it might have been Keenum or they were trying to sign Cousins or whatever it was. Wasn't interested. This time it seems like he he is. We all know. At least I know, and EJ knows. Uh, having heard me talk about it, Kirk Cousins isn't the the long term. Can't be the long term guy. I don't really think he should be the short term guy, but that's where we're at now. So I'm I'm hoping that they make a play for a quarterback. If not, if Justin Fields goes high and Trey Lance falls, hopefully it's Trey Lance. If Trey Lance goes high and Justin Fields slides, hopefully Justin Fields. If they're both available, I'd be fine with both of them. I prefer Justin Fields, but I'd be fine with both of them. And if they got to sit behind Kirk, they got to sit behind Kirk. But I think the Vikings got to be bold. If not, I'll be watching a lot of Spencer Rattler tape. Uh, shout out <laughs> Oklahoma. <laughs> Uh yeah, so that's where I'm at with the Vikings. Where are you at with the with the Jets, EJ? I mean Jets. I mean at number Zach two, Wilson. yeah, Rogers. Yeah, we haven't talked about the uh, Zach Wilson. Um, I mean Zach Wilson is going to be the guy. I'm fine with that. I think that to me it was close to him and Fields for me, who I would have wanted. Uh, I, but I, I mean, you know, I don't know, you know how many times I texted you, like because I again I just talked about throughout this season, I work late on the weekend, so. I'm getting off work and I'm just turning on whatever sports is on and you know people I use playing because they're playing late games. How many times yeah. I text you about yo this guy Zach Wilson is nasty. Yeah, I, like, I never heard never heard of the guy before this season. Um, yeah, but I watched so much BYU and then it got to the point where now I got as I'm looking forward to after work I was like well look man that BYU game's on and you know <laughs> I'm thinking about I'm thinking about just Zach Wilson just as a fan not as like him being a Jet because I'm thinking the Jets are gonna number one pick because that's how. Terrible they were. It was like they didn't know where they went in the game. So it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. So the fact that I was sitting there um, watching on Zach Wilson and now that he's going to be a Jet, and I'm good with it. I mean, Zach Wilson's arm is just ridiculous. Um, his creativity and the way he can, you know, he can change his arm angles. He can throw a sidearm and, and he can move a little bit. He's not necessarily a runner per se, but he's mobile. And he can be very deadly when he's on the move in terms of his throwing. So I, I'm I'm good. I'm looking forward to um, I'm looking forward to seeing him as a Jet and seeing how this works out. I, you just never know with QBs, but I'm. Willing. Are you more excited for this than you were for Darnold? I, uh, I mean, we, I don't hey. think so. No, I'm gonna say no. I would say here's why I say no though. It's because as a Jet fan, I went through not just Darnold. I went through with Mark Sanchez. So. Yeah. I know so we were I, excited for that one. Yeah, so I saw, you know, young quarterback come in with a great team set up and it not work out. You have success as a team, but the, the quarterback situation doesn't work out. Then I saw a guy who I thought was better than Sanchez and I thought had he, was more bullish on in terms of his talent, but then had no team and that didn't work out. So when it comes to Wilson... It's like, I'm like, look, man, the Jets still are a long ways away, I think, from being a contender. I know Julio Jones is out there potentially as a trade uh, a trade bait right now. I don't know if the Jets are willing to pull the plug on that. I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. I feel like we haven't heard a lot from Joe Douglas, and he's not very forthcoming when he actually talks. So I don't really know what his plan is. Like, I don't know. Like, is it, like are we still in a long rebuild, or are they trying to win some games? Because, like, Last year was like unbearable as a Jets fan. It was like it was really unbearable. It was tough to watch that team. So, 
are they trying to like get a quarterback but then also try to win next year or are they still in this long haul rebuild and how patient is Woody Johnson going to be with that so I, I don't so I guess that kind of that's why I'm like I can't say I'm excited I don't know what the future plan is like the Jet team I look at right now is better but man they were they had won two games last year and they should have won none so it's like how excited can you be that you got a couple of pieces that are good players you know Corey Davis um I, I like what they they did on the defensive line but like I you know it's just it's still it's still hard for me to really get super excited because those are just two pieces to like bigger issues the team has so I don't know I can't say that I'm super super thrilled but like I'm willing to say all right let's see this is the new regime I really do like Robert Sala. I mean, I am excited about the coaching staff. So that part I am excited about. But in terms of this pick, like I can't say I'm more excited than Darnold. Darnold, I thought, oh, this is the beginning of them turning it around. And really, I was convinced that they were going to be a great team in like two or three years. Because Darnold was that kind of quarterback. And he may still be. We just don't know because they never did anything to put anybody around him. It was ridiculous. Terrible, terrible job by the Jets in terms of building the roster up. Um, but then I think the pick at 23 is actually really interesting because I think the assumption is they're not going to double up on offense. They're going to get a defensive player, um, whether it be a corner. And this, this, as we've said, like, this is probably the draft. If you're going to get a corner, this is the one to do it. So do you go after Farley? Do you go after Greg Newsom, um, Eric Stokes? Like, yeah. Because the Jets watch the kid from Syracuse too. This kid, Melon Fonwu, uh, local local guy as well. Mm-hmm. May not be a guy who goes in the first round, but man, I watched the game against NC State. Random game yeah. that I had to watch for work purposes, <laughs> um, and this kid was incredible. So I, yeah. and now I see why people are talking about Melon Fonwu going. You know, some people think maybe in the late first round, but that's another corner. Yeah, so John Corner, you're talking edge, you know, do they go uh, Quiddy Pay if he drops that far? Um, do they go Jalen Phillips? But I, I, I'm still I'm quite, I'm I'm still wondering whether or not they go off the lineman or even still playmaker, like you said. Like it, you know, I don't yeah. I'm not, I don't know how I feel about ETN, but do you go after one of these wide receivers? Because I don't I don't think that I like uh, Mims. I think the jury's still out, but there's there's potential there. Um, and I like Corey Davis, and I like James and Crowder, but I mean, I don't think that's like a that's not a winning trio. Like I don't look at them yeah. guys like, oh, we, now we lit. Like I think they still need a lot of talent. <laughs> they have a lot of help on that now outside. We lit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not how oh. I feel about that core. So, you know, we don't know how these again how these receiver things gonna turn out. Like the Jets are in a position; they have so many picks. Do they get aggressive and try to trade up from twenty three? They could do it. They could one hundred. Yeah, that's what's interesting to me. Like if you see a guy slipping, like. All, I think Jacksonville, I think, um, and I and I think the the Jets could conceivably try and get a guy to pair with their quarterback. I think that like, they both seriously should consider trading up to get that guy. If Pitt, if Waddle or Smith or maybe even Kyle Pitts starts to start slipping, because we talk about the tight end thing, like if Atlanta doesn't draft Kyle Pitts and then. Does the Cincinnati snatch him up? If Cincinnati doesn't, Cincinnati does. Does that mean that uh, that Jamar Chase, I guess, is going to Miami? Then if Jamar Chase goes to Miami, then where does if Smith doesn't go to like there's a, there's a I mean, domino? I mean, shoot, you're talking about you're talking about those wide receivers. I mean, what if Penny Sewell slips? If I'm the Jets, yeah. 
I'm at 23. How far do I let Penny Two Sewell slip? I'm like, yo, man, I can get that kind of left offensive tackle to pair with Big Ticket, Mekhi Becton. Penny Sewell is not going past the Chargers, who are, I believe, are at 13. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Like, they're going to they're snatch them up. I mean, I've yeah, seen they, they, they really, they really need a, a offensive tackle. Yeah, they need line help badly. Uh, and they're one of the smart teams that knows, even though you know our receivers aren't like great, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll protect our elite quarterback. But yeah, um, and then to be fair, they got some good guys though. I mean, you got yeah, Allen, got, I mean, like, Allen, Allen, Allen Williams is, is Williams, good start. You'll, you'll you'll live with it. But, yeah. Um, you know, as if the Bengals have scrubs, you know, Tyler Boyd and, and T. <laughs> Higgins. But regardless, <laughs> when it comes to uh, Sewell. I mean, yeah, I, people talking about trading up, they typically are thinking about a quarterback and they're thinking about, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts, it seems. Yeah, skill position but, guy. Yeah. yeah, skill position guys. You're talking about Penny Sewell. Like, if he slips, he's a guy that in other drafts goes number one. So, and now yeah. we're talking about might not go in the top 10, potentially. It's, just, it's still crazy to me. It's crazy. It's not really based on anything he's done on film. It's just. Now position value has been thrown off, been so out of whack. This offensive lines haven't won Super Bowls the last three years, last three or four years, but in really good offensive line play. But um, yeah, if you're the Jets, trade the farm to get Penny Sewell. If he's right. like, if Carolina is kind of like, yeah, eight, maybe we'll take Sewell, but you know, maybe we'll take a defensive guy. I'm smashing there. I'm smashing the phone, dialing the number. Trying to call Matt, Matt Rule and seeing what can I get to get Penny Sewell or Detroit. Like if one of those teams gets, gets sloppy, decides to move out. You know, I know going to be teams trying to move into that spot to get a quarterback. I I, I feel like Penny Sewell is going to end up in Miami. I that's where I I think the Bengals are going to screw this up and draft Chase. And I say screw it up and Chase is going to be a great player. I just don't think it's 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 good value. But uh, I think they're going to they're going to take Jamar Chase. And I think the Dolphins, who just moved Eric Flowers, your boy from Miami, just yeah. moved him uh, to Washington. Uh, I think that's the sign that they're gonna they're gonna take Penny Sewell if he's available. Mm. Interesting. But yeah, if you're the Jets, you gotta you gotta be thinking you gotta think hard about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, if that happens, I, I think they gotta be aggressive because um, they have they again they have the draft capital to do it. Even beyond just this extra pick in twenty three, they have picks next year like they they could do some things you know and just so. think about like i know look i know they want to do the quarterback thing like you want to reset the, the rookie quarterback contract and wilson is an exciting prospect so they couldn't draft Sewell too but think about the prospect of having makai beckton and penny Sewell on both tackle slots and you have zach wilson and you have zach wilson under center zach wilson you know, say what you want about my, you know, my in terms of my overall evaluation of him. One of the things that gets overlooked, and I don't think it's a great thing, but it, it it's it's a uh, it's something that he he had was an elite offensive line at, at at BYU. Yeah, they had a bunch of thirty year olds on the line <laughs> <laughs> going up against nineteen year old you know defensive ends at Houston at Texas State, and he had a ton of time. So. Well, yes, he's excellent all script. You know, when the play breaks down, he's got to do his Mahomes thing, his Rodgers thing, his Kyler thing. He is elite. Best in the draft at that. But 
he also can really pick you apart from inside the pocket. And he had plenty of opportunity to do that at BYU. It's going to be a little tougher to do that with the Jets. But if you get – you already have Makai Becton. If you get a guy like Penny Sewell, you feel a little better about that. It may not even be Penny Sewell. If Penny Sewell goes high, Rashawn Slater might flip. And he can play all, all over the offensive line as well. So yeah. a lot of options for the Jets. I'm excited uh, to see, where, see what they do. Um, I'm excited to see what all these teams do. It's going to be an excellent draft. Well, that'll do it for this edition of our NFL Draft Preview with New Generation Sports Talk. We guys enjoyed the conversation. I certainly did. Um, I'm excited for the NFL Draft. Be sure, obviously, check it out on Thursday. And if you want to check out all of our podcasts, be sure to check us on uh, plenty of audio platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube channel, Generation Media. If you do love uh, draft content, we have a very, very great conversation with um, Sports Info Solutions, uh, 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 NFL Draft Scout um, on there. So definitely make sure you check that out over there. Once again, uh, New Generation Media on YouTube. Follow us on social media. Twitter, New Generation Pod. Instagram, New Generation Podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. Instagram, Action EJ. Ken Look can be found on Twitter at New Gen Ken. Thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of our NFL Draft Preview. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.